G'day and welcome to the Secu Life Podcast, the podcast where your favourite security personnel tell some stories about your most embarrassing moments. I'm your host Eric and on today's show we've got Mr Alex Hodge. Hodge, as he's known in Hobart, has been a staple in Hobart's nightlife for the past 18 years. He's got plenty of experience, plenty of stories, so please grab a beer, wine or spirit, sit back and enjoy. Alright, welcome to episode one. So today on the Secchi Life, we have with us Alex Hodge. Welcome, Alex. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. All good. So uh, I thought maybe what you might do for the audience is just give yourself a 30-second elevator pitch, how long you've been doing security, you know, what age you started, whatever you can think of, really. Yeah, all right. Uh, I'm 36 now. I started security when I was 18. Uh, did it for nearly 18 years. I haven't done it uh, regularly for the last year or so, and I've just let my uh, license expire. But uh, I've done pubs and clubs. Um, I've done offshore processing. I was a reservist for a little while. I uh, worked at a hospital, psych ward, casinos, um, sporting events, you know, a bit of everything, really. Nice. So what makes an 18-year-old Alex Hodge want to do security? Uh... Uh, at the time, I was working at La Paqueta as a, a waiter and getting uh, about $8. <laughs> 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 I was sick of people uh, you know, giving me crap uh, as a waiter. You know, like It wasn't a particularly fancy restaurant. Uh, people didn't tip very well. It wasn't good money and I'd been kicked out of home when I was 17. Uh, so I needed the cash. Uh, always had an interest in martial arts and, and had bounced uh, parties for my mates underage and then it just sort of organically happened I guess um, when I turned 18 I found out that the, the guys down the road at the pub which I'd been going to underage for a year or so uh, were on about 20 bucks an hour uh, on my 18th birthday I went in there and said hey you know can I get a job here I just turned 18 <laughs> and they said what the hell you've been coming here for the last year uh, they told me how to get my license and uh I started on about 18 bucks an hour at 18 years of age at uh, Isobar, the club in Isobar, so, which was, you know, over twice what I was getting waiting. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Different experience, though, the old Isobar back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, uh, one of my first jobs actually was working at Isobar. I remember um, old Phil Coitus, yeah, if that's yeah. how you say his last <laughs> name. name. He was uh, he was running it, and I remember thinking, you know, knew fuck all about what what I was supposed to do. But yeah. I thought, fuck, this is going to be cool, you know. Um, approach Phil, and he was like, yeah, yeah, we'll give you a shot. Nineteen bucks an hour, training wage. Yeah. Apparently, was yeah. uh, was the go, and I was just like, but I thought, fucking nineteen bucks. I, I, I was nineteen, so maybe they gave you a dollar per age, from the sounds of it. Yeah, well, mine went up. After I started there, but yeah, it was a similar thing. Young guy, yep. I got less. There were guys there on a lot more, but uh, I was the newbie who weighed all the 60 kilos or 68 kilos at the time. Yep, think, so. yep. Living the life. Yeah, I think I was a bit about 80 kilos back then, and I had a head full of fucking hair, like a surfer's face, yeah. you know? <clears throat> and I remember, because Phil was working at Irish Murphy's, and he said, oh, go head over to Isobar, and you'll meet a bloke called Aaron, Aaron yeah. Ayres. yeah, yeah. And he said he'll give you, you know, have a chat with him. He'll assess if you're right for the job, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, no worries. And I walked over 
And uh, I said, oh, hey, Phil sent me over. And he goes, oh, yeah, Eric. And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, so you keen to work? And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, cool, yeah, I'll send you a message, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, what do you want me to wear? And he said, <laughs> he said go to Big W. <laughs> go to Big W and get one of those fucking uh, Bonds T-shirts, yeah. like Testy the real ones. tight as fuck ones. Yeah. And he goes, that's the uniform. And I was like, yeah, cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same when I was there. Bond's crew top. Yeah, so certainly an experience. But I didn't stay there that long uh, under Phil because I went to coverall security who paid me 22 bucks to sit in a car yeah. and drive around for 12 hours. Uh, and I thought, fuck it, I'm going where the money is. You know, yeah. the big money. Yeah, I was too lazy. I was still at school when I started bouncing as well though, so... Yep. Work a Wednesday night and then have to go to college. Yeah, okay. On a Thursday morning, often hung over because we'd have drinks after work. You'd have back then, um, pubs and clubs would still give you free knockoff drinks. Yep. After work, I didn't have a license, so someone would always drive me. Um, so I'd get yeah half half lit after work and then get driven home and then have to go to to school the next day. <laughs> I always felt like the free knockoff drinks hit a little bit harder because you're doing a shift. Maybe there's slight dehydration. Maybe it's the fact that they were free, but I just well, and felt... you haven't eaten for 10 hours normally. You don't get a meal security, do you? <laughs> well, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Well, you know, funny you say that. What about when we did that? What was that festival in, in Hillenville? And you went, and I said, don't go and fucking relieve those Indian guards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really true. That's very true. I was trying to be a good Samaritan. I was trying to help them out and have a break, but yeah, no, they left me there for a quite a while yeah they took they took advantage they definitely took advantage yeah, yeah but back during the clubs you never got a meal break it was you were lucky to get a toilet break um, yeah it was a privilege to have a smoke break or a toilet break yeah well i actually feel i feel like if you're a smoker you're doing pretty good in security because they always get fucking breaks yeah yeah you've got to smoke that's why i started smoking <laughs> <laughs> i just couldn't ever do it i just hated the smell of it you know ciggies yeah Smell yeah, shit. I never smoked before I started working security. Yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah, right, true. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. 18-year-old Alex, working yeah. security. Getting out, having a bath. Good way to meet girls too at the time. Yep. Not that I'm condoning it in any way, shape or form. Well, actually, I was going to ask the question because, you know, everyone always asks you, they say, oh, if you're a bouncer or whatever, is it, you know, are you going to pull chicks? And it's like, well... Yeah. Personally, what I think is... If it, it'll give you a little bit leg up, more of a leg up than if you're just Joe Schmo, but if you're an awkward person, it I mean it's not going to help you anyway. It puts you in the right place at the right time for people who are inebriated. Their, inhibition, <laughs> their inhibitions are lowered, their <clears throat> standards are lowered. They're out to have a good night. They're out on hens nights and parties and what's not, looking to do something, you know. Um, you're there at the time and you're sober and someone that appears to be safe. So it definitely elevates you above the scum, picking up the eckies off the floor in the toilet <laughs> or throwing them on the dance floor, you know what I mean? You, you get the opportunity to be the knight in shining armour without even trying, you know, by dragging the guy out who did something. Yep. It certainly gives you the opportunity. I've seen some ugly fucking bouncers over time pick up just from doing their job, not doing anything special. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you stay at ISO Bar for? Oh, I 
was at ISO for a while and left. Um, again, better offer. I went to uh, Surreal. Oh, I yes. went up to Surreal for a while when they were still open, which was a much larger club. Uh, I think they paid about 25 bucks an hour versus the, I think I'd moved up to 19 or whatever at ISO and came across to Surreal on like 25 bucks an hour. The team was huge. We had nearly 30 guards. We Jeez. Had, um, seven or eight guards outside patrolling the lines. Like this place had lines around the block. Yep. Um, and as you know, for Hobart, that's yeah, pretty r- ridiculous. Uh, and you'd have, you know, 15 or more guards inside. So it was a lot safer environment, especially as a 68 kilo dweeb um, bouncing. It's good to have numbers and um, have backup. A couple of times I got caught out at Isobar where we were understaffed and you end up in a bit of trouble. So it made sense to move across to a, a safer location. Yeah, I never, money. I never got the, the uh, I never got to go to Club Surreal. It shut down before I was before I was uh, 18, yeah. so um, unfortunately. I was only there for like the last <coughs> year, so I sort of, I was there when it shut down, and I was only there for probably nine months or something leading up to that, it yep. wasn't long. Yep. But it was and a cool place to work. Was still on the security roster when you were working yeah, there? Yeah, he was. Yep. On and yep. off. Um, Heard some stories from uh, back in the day of old Rain as a security guard with his fingerless gloves. I don't remember any fingerless gloves, I must say, but uh, no, he was definitely there at the time. He had a, a lot of characters yep. Uh, yep. At, at Surreal at the time. One of my good friends who you would know, Marcus Kennedy, uh, yes, has yeah. a good story about Surreal. I can't remember if it's Surreal or out the front of Isobar, but <clears throat> apparently he had a mate who used to always have run-ins with yeah, um, and he'd say mouth off and then they you know they get into a scuffle yeah and supposedly always just drink red bull he never drank yeah, you know? yeah no, he doesn't. and yeah. um marcus would say his mate would just be fucking inebriated so he's not going to be able to do much but he said he was telling me one time something happened security restrained this his friend and then came up with a with a penalty shootout straight to the nuts but the icing on the cake <laughs> was he bent over and said, in case you're wondering, I'm a size seven. Like that's <laughs> like that's anything to like, what, you know, I'm a fucking size seven. Like that's something to brag about. I'm a size seven, baby. Oh, yeah. You know who else is a size seven? My fucking mum. <laughs> stuff and I then worked, I worked um, with Marcus for a while actually yeah well he uh Fairly. we were living together in Queensland he was an apprentice chippy at the time and it was I don't know what was going on with trades but there wasn't much work about and he ended up getting let go and he was like oh fucking I'm gonna do security but like usually when people go oh, I'm gonna do security they'll do a certificate too and that's yeah happy yeah. days but he fucking went down the rabbit hole and was doing firearms license batting hank like the whole kit and caboodle and I was like what are you what are you gonna go protect the president or something <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you only need a certificate too to do it but yeah he did it for a bit that's how he met his missus that he's still with yeah I used both, to work with her too yeah um, both Maggie, working is it? Yeah. yeah both working at Curly's yeah so I don't think I don't think I ever worked with Marcus because we he was a good guy we were on the opposite so I was working sort of the waterfront and he was working up in whatever the fucking street Curly's is in it's called 
Kamara, yeah. He was oh, he's a good guy. He was too good for mm. security though, really. He's too much he's a nice guy. Yeah. Was a nice guy. Don't know what he's doing these days though. No. But, um, moved, moved away, mainlanders. Yeah, living in Melbourne, living living the life, eh? Cool. Where'd you go after um after Surreal? <clears throat> now at this point in time you're obviously enjoying it because you're staying you are staying in the game. Yeah, I, I'd left school at that point as well, so I was trying to get as many ships as possible. So, so I think I went back to Isobar, uh, at which stage I think As and Phil had come in. Yep. Um, and I was also doing work on the side. So I, I, I'm trying to think if that's when I picked up work at Soho or not. Like I was doing a few different venues. So yep. Not every night at every venue, and um, often I'd finish my shift at. ISA and then we'd go and work at a day club afterwards so they had two at the time they had one called uh, Red Square which was uh, or Zambezi's it became eventually which was the seediest most disgusting like biking <laughs> club ever uh, and then they had another one above the Duke which was for a couple of years there they called it Psy Lounge and it right. opened at 4 or 5am in the morning and it's like where everyone who was out on acid and mushrooms and all the trippy shit used to go after the clubs were closed and they'd have all these trippy images up on the walls and play really disjointed side trance music and everyone would be off their head and they let the security from other clubs go up there and drink for free if they um, break up the fight. So you go up there and get pissed for free. <coughs> That's all right, isn't that? work. <laughs> That's a good deal. Uh, if anyone's watching this and would like to reinstate that deal, uh, I might make a comeback. Yeah, if I can be lucky nowadays with licensing they're, they're a lot stricter than they used to be yeah well that's true that's everything's true. tightened up a lot now and everyone's got a camera phone so yeah I never really actually took much notice of licensing until probably I moved back from the Gold Coast and started working at Lowell House because I never really you never really see them like I remember back in the day when they had that street unit and they Ports. used to they yeah. used to patrol the streets and you'd always see them there'd be like fucking 12 of them so if you ever had real trouble you'd just say Hello. Yeah, they were great. I miss the ports then. <clears throat> Good bunch of cops, actually. Mm. Separate to licensing. Though. The licensing yeah. who were around when I was 18, 19, 20. Like, the main guy, Justin, I won't mention his last name, but yeah, he, he was a right fuckhead. Yeah, like, he okay. He getting in trouble for taking drugs oh. or being involved with dealing or taking drugs and isn't on the force anymore. But yeah, he was after me for a while for God knows what. Just yep, yep. Dog at a bone, basically. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of him. Oh, well, if you're listening, fuck you. (laughs) 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 Yeah, okay. So, you're living the life. Now, so how how long did you say? 18 years. Yeah, 18. 18 years. How many times during that 18 years did you sit back and think, what the fuck am I doing? How many weeks are there in 18 years? (laughs) <laughs> 52 <laughs> times 18 uh, look a lot a lot yeah. um, but then you know hanging out having a chat you know you're hanging out with mates most of the time like yeah. having a chat like we are now I guess um, always reminiscing the good the good biffs or yeah. you know the yeah. the chick who spewed on herself in a $350 white dress or whatever you know there's there's plenty of laughs and the camaraderie and stuff mm. which, which is what keeps you going but you know, every time you see something horrific or you get injured or you, one of your mates getting injured, then yeah, you sort of go, what the fuck am I doing? 
or you know someone tries to charge you for doing your job and it's, you know you start wondering how can I do my job safely and not end up in bloody jail yeah. for doing it. Um, yeah, that that was the, the downside. But I mean, I kept doing it for nearly eighteen years. Uh, I think ultimately for me, the, the good outweighed the bad most of the time. Yep. But it always came back to the camaraderie, the, the guys you work with, and when you're working with shit people, work with shit. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, look, I hear that. When you leave a place, you don't really miss the place, you miss the people. Mm. And not usually the job, unless you're a fucking psychopath, and then you probably miss the fucking, and then you probably miss the Yeah, the well, job. I haven't been back to any of the venues yep. from the last clubs that I worked at. I haven't yep. been back to any of the pub bank groups or anything. Yep, like that, so. yep. Also, another bonus <laughs> that I think is pretty cool, like, you know, when you work security, you don't really get that much time off because you're obviously working all the weekends. But whenever you do get a weekend off and you go to all the places, you never have to wait in line because you know all the fucking... Oh, you don't wait in line. Back in the day, it used to be free drinks or um, drink tickets. You get yep. a two for one or whatever. Um, we used to have a surreal. There were tickets you could get. So you yep. go out and they'd give you like five or, or six of these tickets or whatever and then you go and get one off one of your mates who doesn't drink. And, yep. <laughs> again, you could drink for free, which was which was great as a, someone who was only working a couple of nights a week. So even if I worked three nights, especially as a young guy new to the team you might only get four or five hours a night yep um we're starting out you know maybe on a, a saturday night you're pretty much guaranteed to get eight or nine but um when you first start out the wednesdays the fridays or whatever they weren't big so you'd be lucky to get 20 hours a week yep um and times that by your 20 even your 25 which was a lot at the time yep that's it's not a lot of money so getting free piece when you go out that's mm. It helps. It's a lot, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely helps. At what point did... Because when I met you, you had a full-time day job and you were doing Seki on the side. Yeah, well, I had a full-time day job. I'm trying to think when I started at the hospital. I would have been quite young then. Because um, I went off and joined the reserves when I was 19. Yeah. I was in the army reserves for a couple of years. Never did anything with it. I didn't go on any deployments or anything. I just joined up and paraded locally or whatever. Um, yep. So I was doing that. And then I got a job working full-time security at the hospital and was doing bouncing on the side. Um, that would have been, yeah, from probably <coughs> 20 onwards. Yep. And pretty much from that point on, I always worked two jobs. Security was yep. mainly my secondary job. Yep. Um, unless I was doing both. Yep. You know, day job and security doing guard work and then yep. um, bouncing work on the weekends or whatever. Yep. Bouncing generally paid more than guard work. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot more fun. Definitely. Uh, I always, I mean, I work security for, I think this is my 15th year now. Yeah. Um, and I always had a couple of different jobs, but that was like different companies because you couldn't always rely on. Yeah, yeah. And then um, you pick which one you want. I mean, they'll fight out of you. Yeah, well, that's it. Uh, even more so to this day because they're looking for decent guards. But I've had one foot in, one foot out for many years now. But uh, just the extra cash. And I, I was saying that I would still be in it uh, for the cash only. I mean, my heart's probably not in it as much as it used to be. Yep. Um, as you well know, I've only been doing events the last two years, really, or year and a half to two years. It's mainly just been events and gigs, not working for a. A bar, a club, or anything. Yep. Yep. Permanently, um, but I can now get that you know the extra money on the side from doing overtime at my day job. Yep. You know, yep. Nerd by day, bouncer by night. But, sure. Um, 
yeah, IT work over time works out more than the bouncing was anyway. Yep. So it just sort of made sense. And I've got kids now and everything. So yep, sort of definitely uh, makes it hard. Shift work is not easy on a relationship, for, that's for sure. No, neither is the bouncing side of things. Of course, mm. it's not good. You know, you, you meet lots of girls and stuff when you're out there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hard try explaining that to your, to your missus when you're walking through the mall or something. You know, they don't understand that. You know, they're just some girl that you met out or you yeah. pulled her hair back when she was vomiting on herself yep. or carried her out of the toilet or something. You know, it's it's hard to explain. But. It's good when you're young, but I feel like when you get a little bit older, you don't really care. Well, at least that's how I went about it anyway. Like probably the last couple of years that I did bouncing. Uh, there was literally no fucks given. In, I didn't want to talk to people. It was like they'd come up and ask you a question, and you know, maybe they're trying to flirt with you. Maybe they're trying to like you know, dudes come up. Oh yeah, I think about doing security. Oh. I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I do a bit of boxing. <laughs> I used to just fucking. I used to just walk away. Yeah. Like uh, the, my missus, uh, she used to laugh about it because she'd say. You'd see people talking to him. This was when I was working at the telly out in the fucking back. Yeah. With the smoke with the fucking smoking fuckers. They'd start talking to me and I just walk to the other side. Yeah. And then they just follow you. And you go, read the body language cues, mate. Uh, I don't care about your life story. Uh, you know, I don't care what you're out for tonight. And if you want to do fucking security, all you need to do is Google how to get a fucking license, mate. You're all good. Another thing people used to always ask, guys, oh, security good money? And you're just like, well, you know. 12 bucks an hour. <laughs> it depends. What like what, what are you doing? Like if you're working at the reject shop for 17 bucks, well, yeah, it's fucking better than that, isn't it? Yeah. I used to just say to people, and this is how fucking dumb people are, I'd say, mate, I'm making 100K a year just working Friday, Saturday night. And they go, fuck, are you serious? And I go, yeah, mate. Why the fuck else would I be here? And they just believe it, you know, in that stupid fucking security vest. Yeah, oh, and that always, that it, it always goes both ways with the the money and security. Like people look down at you, you know. You get anyone who's, you know, eighteen and nineteen year olds, and be like, I make more money in a week than you make in a month, and that, you know, they look down their nose at you. Oh, what do you get? Twenty bucks an hour? You fucking, you're a renter cop. And so, yeah, that used to grind me a lot, you know. So yeah, I worked two jobs. Um, you know, I worked my full-time job and I was, as you know, I was a manager of uh, security at one stage for six venues yep. and nearly 40 staff underneath me and, and I had a good full-time job as well and I've got these bums who are an apprentice sparky or something telling me that uh, that they earn more than me, uh, more than I earn in a month in a week and, and looking down their nose, I just wanted to slap them and I think that's part, uh, another part of the reason I had to get out because... Yep. I just started wanting to fucking slap everyone yep. in the yep. face, you know. Yep. <laughs> I remember a guy said to me when I was working at Lowell House, and he said he was an apprentice. He was fucking mouthing off, I don't know, I didn't let him in or whatever, for whatever reason. Maybe he was wearing shit shoes, maybe he was just a fucking goofball. And he goes, I'm a fucking electrician. And I was like, cool. Where'd he go, Sparky? And I was like, what does that fucking mean? He goes, not now. But later on, I'm gonna make more fucking money than you. <laughs> <laughs> probably will. It probably will. Well, like, yeah, well, fucking good for you, mate. But right at this moment, I own you. I win. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking trudge along, mate. Fucking trudge along. Yeah, some people, eh? But uh, actually, one of the questions I'd written down was, 
you get this all the time. Uh, people will say you're a fucking rent a cop why you couldn't make it into the police force. Yeah. You know, did you ever have any aspirations that you want to join the police? Yeah, yeah, I did. I applied for the police when I was younger. Um, oh, I'm trying to think when I first applied. I would have probably been 19. And uh, at that stage, they told me to get a bit more life experience. Yep, yep. And come back. Yep. Um, and then later that year when I was 19, I had an assault charge put against me from an incident uh, at one of the venues I was working at. It was when I just just started Curly's, I think. So yep. maybe it was when I just turned 20. Um, but anyway, yeah, I hit someone in the, in the ribs during a restraint or removal. It was on tape. Sure. A little twerp. Turned out to be a copper's son. Complained. Yeah. Um, they deemed that it was, you know, unreasonable. I hit him three times in the ribs. The guy was holding on to another guard's foot during a restraint. I hit him uh, one, two. He let go, and I hit him again. Uh, apparently, the third strike was unreasonable. Unreasonable. Yeah. Um, I didn't know he'd let go. Um, sure. I was, you know, the whole thing from the start of this incident to the end. You know, very briefly, you know. This guy, one of the guards I was working with went to sort of push this guy back with his foot but didn't commit, you know, shouldn't have put his foot out at all if he wasn't going to commit to it because this guy was being aggressive on the stairs after we kicked him out. Mm. And he just sort of flicked his foot out rather than kicking or actually pushing the guy, he just sort of flicked his foot out and the guy grabbed his foot and then started dragging him down the stairs. So I had him off balance on a stairwell and we're sort of wrestling. So I came in and just gave him a little... In the, of course. <laughs> in the, in the ribs. Uh, three times is too much apparently yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yep. I pleaded guilty. I did got a slap on the wrist, paid forty bucks. And yep. I was able to keep my license, and uh, that was the only real issue I had in in eighteen years. But yeah, lesson learned. Uh, so yes, I did try to join the police, not back originally for lack of experience. Then I had that over my head, and by the time I applied the next time, I got through to the second stage or, or second or third stage of the applications. Uh, and I just, I think probably largely because I wasn't super fit, I passed the fitness test, but I was in the bottom of the guys who had passed. Right. And it was when they were bringing in this, um, I don't know how to say this, uh, the equality thing. Sure, okay, yeah, sure. Gender sure, equality sure. within police, and they yeah. had a, 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 a quota 30, to make 30 or 35% quota minimum for females to get through. Yep. So I would have been in the bottom of the guys. And yep. I'll so you missed out. Through. Yeah, okay. Which is a blessing, really. I'm, I'm glad I didn't yep. do it, knowing the police that I know. Like I'm, I'm glad I'm sort of backing away from it now. To be honest, you know, I've, friends in the police, friends in the military, security. You know, I'm, I've known a lot of people who've killed themselves who've worked in these industries, uh, and what I used to think would be a glorious job. And you know, I'm a police officer, and I'm out to save the world. La la la. Um, Mate, I sit behind a fucking computer now, isn't I? And behind a computer as an IT nerd, yep. uh, it's yep. very safe. I don't have the problems. You know, yes, I, I wanted to do it, but that desire is well and truly gone now. Sure, sure. Yeah, look, uh, when I, I, I never, when I get it, got into security, I never wanted to join the police. A few years after down the track, I did, but that was just because I feel like maybe that's one of the natural progressions mm, is to mm. move on, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but unfortunately, like yourself, I had an assault charge, unwork related because I'm a fucking professional at all times. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> this was outside of work. Yeah. Um, 
So basically, yeah, look, I uh, pleaded guilty, no conviction recorded. But when I talked to police recruiting, they said that will exclude you from ever becoming TASPOL. Which is strange because there are police who've been charged with assault yeah. while working their jobs. They never told me that, and that yep. may well be the case. They never yep. outright told me that. Yeah, I was okay. told that I'd still be able to do it. So yep. maybe they just gave me the bum steer. And maybe I was maybe. awesome enough to get into the police. Yeah. And it's just because I hit something. Yeah. So I'm going to tell maybe. myself that now. Yeah, well, fucking yeah. why not? But it's different now. You, you wait 10 years after your conviction, and if you've been a good boy or girl, they'll let you do your thing. Yeah, well, do you know what? It probably would have been nearly 10 years. Um, yep. Being 36 now, yeah. it would, and when I got charged, I think I was 19, so yep. 19 or 22. It would have been after 30 that I applied the second yep. time around. And I know I passed the psych test and everything, so... Yep. Which I got questioned on the first time because they ask you a lot of really weird questions. Yeah. Did, have, have you ever done one of those psychometric tests for police or prisons? I did one back in the day when there was this mainland company that used to do security for the ports, mm-hmm. and I came in and it was like five hundred and seventy-five yeah. questions, and the questions were strange. Like one was, "Do you like fire?" And you're like, "Well, how do I take yeah, that?" Yeah. Because I like fire when it's a wood heater and it keeps me warm, but I'm yes. not going to burn my fucking house down. And then there was another one, "Do you like kids?" And it's like, "Well, like eventually one day maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe you know I want to have children." But are you asking me, "Do I like to fuck kids?" Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Like, can you feel that? No. <laughs> and then those questions kept. Yeah, reworded in a different way. Yeah, Yeah, similar. The one that I got pulled up on was, have you ever stood on the edge of a cliff and thought of jumping off? And I'm like, yeah. It's like skydiving, bungee jumping, whatever. You know, thrill-seeking. I like that kind of thing. But it's like, I think what they were going for, you know, have you had suicidal thoughts or tendencies or whatever. um, They asked me to clarify it in the follow-up interview and explain what it was, you know. And I had to explain it. Yeah, I've stood on the side of a a cliff and thought about, you know, whether it was diving off, how high is the cliff? It doesn't say this yeah. is a seven metre cliff, you know, I've jumped off 10 metre Context is key, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, managed to explain myself and that was all okay. But yeah, the psychometric tests are really bizarre. I mm. failed mine when I went to the prisons because yep. I told myself, you know what, I'm going to be completely fucking yep. honest. Um, I passed, obviously for the military I had to do one. Sure. Um, I had to do one for my offshore operations. I had to do one for the police and I passed some um, generally being a little creative, um, understanding how the test <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, if you, look, yeah. anyone who tells me they're 100% honest on those tests yeah. and get through it is full of shit. Of course. But I went for the prisons and I thought, you know what, I'm going to be honest. And um, you get a little chart that comes up. It was much shorter than the um, police and the other ones that I've done. This one was only about 170 questions. It was a new streamlined process they were testing. And at yep. the end of it... Um, you could view on a tablet your result and it was like a graph thing that shows spikes and I had this big red spike and I did like I could see as soon as I finished everyone else was still working away fucking stressing out about it and I saw my spike I went yeah okay see you later guys and got up and walked out but you know it's like would you consider your group of friends more likely uh, than an average group of people to be involved in a physical fight and I was like okay 
I'm friends with multiple <laughs> mixed martial artists, <laughs> boxers, grapplers. Um, I work with security guys. It's like, yes, yeah, statistically, we're probably about a thousand times more likely to get into a fight. It's like, yeah. have you ever been in a fist fight in your life? And it's like, yes. you know. And these are the ones. They're the ones that tripped me up. They're the ones that got me out of it because I was yeah. honest. It's like, yes, I've been in fights. Yes, my friends have been in fights. Yes, my friends have been chat. You know, it's like asking me all these questions. It's like, do you basically they're trying to establish, in my opinion, are you a criminal and do you associate with violent criminals? Yeah. Um, so I answered them honestly and without the context of being able to provide any context, which you can't. Yeah. It's just like, okay, you failed, fuck off. <laughs> Yet there was an eighteen year old who rocked up there and he was wearing a a, a wife beater or singlet which was tatty and had Fuck like coffee yeah. stains. He had, you know, shorts on and steel cap boots. This is how he rocked up to an interview. I'm there in a shirt, tie, slacks, polished dress shoes, you know, shaven, presented, like you would for an interview, you know, yep. because yep. I was at an interview. Mm. And this guy rocks up in a fucking white beard with coffee <laughs> stain, shorts with, you know, with a crumb. <laughs> his bunnies... She explorer socks hanging. There was old grandma who is clearly a lesbian. Nothing against lesbians. She's a bulldog, you know. Half a head shaved and a comb over. Fucking face piercings on her. She would have been about 50 and about 155 kilos. These two got through the the psychometric test and, and proceeded. But me, who had 10 years of security experience or whatever at the time, I didn't pass. Yeah. So I was a high risk. It's like, you got to wonder why all these guards end up, you know, uh, they're killing themselves or they're getting bashed and, you know, have all these uh, mental health issues. Mm. They're, they're putting these people in there based on these psychometric tests. You know, they need a prison guard at the door when they're coming in for these exams to go, no, fuck him. No, don't even <laughs> let him do the test, you know. Like, the people getting through, it's, it's not, not a good thing. Yeah. But I guess they have to do that kind of stuff because, I mean, when you're talking about security, like, security interviews aren't really security. Like, people say, oh, I'm going to interview for a security job. But it's not like an interview for anything else. You rock in, they go, you got a security license? Yeah. You worked security before? Yeah. When can you start? You're like, yeah. now? Fucking you're hired. I guess that's pretty true, especially with um, bouncing work. Like, today... In this day and age, there is a shortage of good guards. Yeah. When I started out, like there were good guards. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of very good, very capable guards, and you know people you aspired to be like as far as yep. a guard. Um, you know, uh, one of the guys, Bruce, uh, that I used to work with. You know, he was a K one fighter, and he was just a he was an absolute weapon and you know I just I remember idolising him and wanting to be him and but all the guards that we had in us I felt like everyone in that team was better than me yep do you know and without blowing too much smoke up my own ass here you know towards the end like what scares me more than anything is I started feeling like everyone was looking to me to deal with the big nasty situations yeah. and I'm not a Bruce I'm not you know I'm not a black belt who fights K1 competitions, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm not as capable as some of these guys that used to hold it down back in the day. And the guys who were coming in, the new guys, were less capable than me Yeah. when I came in. And that 
that scared me, you know, because when I came in, I was 68 kilos and I had a bit of a bit of karate background and a bit of boxing, or whatever. But nothing. I wasn't particularly well equipped. Yep. I was willing to have a go. But these these days, people are coming in and getting a job, and they've never had a scrap in their life. They get hit in the face and they run away and cry, or you know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one guy got kicked in the nuts once, man. He sat down and he wanted to rub oil on his nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, just fucking shake it off. You can't sit here and massage your balls with oil on the stairs in front of the front uh, of the Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. look, uh, I'm totally hearing you. A couple of, th- like, as you've been talking, a couple of stories have come to my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're talking about the fucking dude in the wife beater, for, like, just <laughs> because you said piss stains, yeah. it took me back to um, when I used to work at Kmart, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, Kmart was 24 hours, well, it still fucking is 24 hours. But they used to have security there only for the night shift. One guard did 2100 to 6, and one did midnight to 8. Yeah, and I just remember working one night, and you obviously you know you go for a walk around because who the fuck goes to Kmart at two a.m. right? Stoners. Yeah, Doritos. People that you know, I guess hospital workers will finish. They'll come in, but everyone else is just a fucking bogan looking to steal a pair of seven dollars shoes. And I remember fucking going for a cruise because it was like this fucking bogan family, and they used to always come in, always. And I thought I'll go for a walk. I know where they are. They're in the fucking shoe section, right? Yeah, yeah. And I go up and I'm fucking cruising past this dude and he's like in an Asian squat position and there's a gap between his pants <coughs> and his oh, lower back. Oh, no. And obviously there's plumber's crack, but there was shit. <laughs> Fully emerged in his crack <laughs> and up his back, like up the back, the back that was exposed. <laughs> The back that was exposed. And I thought, bruv, how the fuck did you literally shit in your car and like you've just pushed it down and rubbed it in your back? But like, how are you sitting there right now? You know, and one, your ass isn't itchy, but two, like, isn't your back wet? And I saw that and I just thought, fuck this. And I, <laughs> I just fucking kept walking. I just fucking kept walking. And I remember yeah, doing for free, mate. For, the, <laughs> for the same company, I was doing covert, right? So you wear plain clothes, and you got to that's catch, covert, not covert. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, and you got to catch the try and catch the fucking thieves. And I remember, I believe it was Bridgewater Coles, mm. and I'm watching this dude, and he comes in, and it looks like his mother and father are brother and sister, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, you know, and that's he's the offspring, and you're yeah. just going. I'm looking at this bloke and I'm just thinking, oh, for fuck, you know, it's a slow day, so I thought, fuck it, we'll, we'll do, we'll go and watch. And people in Bridgewater don't give a fuck, mate, right? Yeah. So some of the other stores, you had to be actually covert and, like, you'd be on the other side of the aisle and you like, part the fucking crackers and you'd watch them from there. Bridgewater, they didn't give a fuck. You could stand right next to them and they'd just fucking still do whatever they're going to do. <laughs> this bloke, I was literally standing next to him, Kit Kat Junkie, down the front of his decks. Oh, cruises man. back through the milk aisle, fucking picks up an iced coffee and goes and pays for it with a 20, right? And then he walks out. And like, COVID is the fucking shittest job because you got to wait for the person to leave the to shop. steal it. They have to yes. steal it, don't they? Yeah, because if you're still in the shop, you have a chance to pay for it, even though it's in your fucking... It's rubbing up against your balls right yeah, now. Yeah. You know? So, 
And you can imagine how many people at Bridgewater, when you say, oh, excuse me, you know, sir, can you come back in the shop with me? <laughs> like, who the fuck? As if they're going to do it. Anyway, this fucking dude did. Oh, mate, can you get oh, back in the shop? Right. Yeah, yeah, he comes back in the shop. You know, and he's talking, oh, that seems to be the problem. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, I saw, I saw you put the Kit Kat down your pants, mate. Like, what's going on there? Oh, oh. Kit Kat in your pocket. I can't, remember, I can't remember the excuse. I just remember because you had to call the store manager. Yeah, to, yeah. To because uh, they would decide whether or not the police needed to be called. Obviously, for a two dollar fucking Kit Kat, you probably shouldn't call the police. Uh, anyway, she comes up. She is walking towards him as he's digging it out. Right, so he pulls it out. And she goes, she's watching it and she just goes, did he just steal that? And I said, yeah. And she goes, he he went to hand it to her and she goes, I don't want that. She goes, how much money have you got? And he's like, oh, five bucks. And she goes, go and pay for it and fuck off. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, Bridgewater Coles used to sell DVDs. Yeah, and that wasn't uncommon back in the day. So they used to have the magazines and some mm. DVDs and things. And I was standing there with these kids. They're about 16. I'm literally closer to them than we are yeah, right now. Yeah. And they're just fucking hammering them down. And one looks at me and he goes, Hey, bro, you want a DVD? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, No, nah, I'm good. And then fucking go out to check out and I wait for them. And um, they walk out. And I said, uh, Excuse me, boys. You know, fucking Cole's security, do you mind? Come back and just fucking... They're fucking already gone, mate. They're already <laughs> gone. Yeah, they were fucking out of there. And you wouldn't be chasing them, I don't imagine. No. When I was younger, I used to... They used to always tell you... Because I, I did a bit of retail just mm. because, like, just say you work for a company like uh, Dyson Security. Oh, yes. They'll put you out of a fucking shit place like JB. And uh, no offense to anyone that works JB, but if you work security there, it's fucking shit. Still to this day, it would be shit. Yeah. You're just asking people if you can check their bags if, if when they leave. They don't want you to patrol and they say, oh, you're not allowed to fucking chase anyone, blah, 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 fucking blah, right? Yeah, it's just to scare the good Samaritans who don't actually want to steal anything. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But then all the fucking staff mouth off to you, oh, do you know who was in the store? Like, why didn't you follow them? Uh, because your manager told me not to fucking leave where I'm standing. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> and I was filling in for this bloke because uh, they, they had their full-time guards and uh, they said, oh, can you go and do a shift to JB, filling in for whatever the fuck his name was. I can't remember what his name is. And I suspect that he fucking quit. But they were like, not telling me, but yeah, there was a yeah. spot open because everyone fucking hates that place. Anyway, I was a young man, 20 years old. You feel like you're fucking invincible when you're 20. So I used to, cunts would mouth off and I'd just fucking chase them out. So I was fucking, yeah. all right, let's go, mate. Let's fucking have a go. Never did I ever think about the repercussions. Like if you smacked some cunt and they knocked their head in the gutter, yeah. you were fucked. Yeah, yeah. Never did I ever think about that. I just thought, you know, ego, fuck you. But it was always, they'd always ask you to come outside and then you'd go outside and they'd be really surprised that you'd just come out. Yeah, and they yeah, would, yeah. They, they would run. They poke the bear and the bears come with his teeth bare. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've got another mate who I started working, came up with his name's Pete. Fucking vigilante justice Pete. Yeah. And uh, I'll have to get him on this podcast. I've never met anyone that fucking loves retail loss prevention as much as he does. Like, it's like they're stealing from him. 
He, yeah, ta- he yeah, takes yeah, it. Okay. He takes it personally, and I yeah. feel like if you're going to get a guard to do retail loss prevention, you're going to have to get a whole roster of Pete's because otherwise, yeah. you get people like me, and I just don't care. Oh, look, I'd be the same. I'd be the same. You know, I didn't. I don't give a shit, and that's why I guess I was drawn to bouncing because ninety percent of the time, you're really not doing much. You just yeah. all you have to do is pay attention. But um, funny you said about that. You know how, how bad things could go because that just made me think of an issue I had one night while working at a. A bar, which I'm not technically meant to mention the name of, but you'll know which one. What does it rhyme with? Slow bar. (laughs) (laughs) I reckon the audience will probably uh, (laughs) probably guess what that is. I was working there one night, and there was this lumberjack-looking fucking dude who was probably like realistic. I want to say eight foot, but realistically, he was probably six foot eight, six foot nine, and maybe 150 kilos, like a huge fucking bohemoth of a dude. Like, yep. Had me my asshole puckered. This <laughs> <laughs> when he came up to the door, but he'd been in a scuffle uh, across in the car park and he'd been knocked down. And he was coming across in the car park and looked real agitated. Um, and I had to refuse him and we ended up in a bit of a scuffle and he sort of came through the barriers that we had. This is old slope, not new slope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he came through the barriers and, I mean, at the time, I was probably at my physical peak, like yep. the strongest yep. for me, which isn't, you know, again, compared to a lot of people in the game, not huge. I mean, back then I was, yeah, reasonably strong. I could bench like 120 kilos. Yep. I was fit, yep. um, reasonable flexibility, whatever, like, Anyway, this guy had me puckering in the ass. In the ass, I like. I thought he was going to kill me yep. and take my head off. Yep. Hulk him towards me. And yep. I remember when he came to me. I go, "What am I going to do? You know, I don't want to hit this guy because it's going to look too aggressive, and he yeah. probably just shake it off." Yeah. Um, on the floor, push him as hard as you fucking can. Yeah. With all your might, and I remember I pushed this guy, and I, I mean, I felt like I was trying to bench press the moon. Like, I pushed as hard as I fucking could push this guy, you know, stay back! <laughs> pushed him, and he literally, like, lifted off the <laughs> And this guy took up in the air, and he fell down. But where he fell down, which I'd failed to fucking calculate with my tunnel vision focusing on not dying from the hole, we had this fucking pole that supported the cigarette balcony, which had this big concrete block with... Sharp corners on. Yep. And this guy's gone up in the air, his like 150 kilo body, and then hit the back of his head on the corner of the concrete and fallen down. And you just see this blood start coming out. Yep. And I just remember thinking, fuck, I've, I've killed this guy. Like, yep. One second I'm thinking, I'm going to fucking die. Like, this guy's going to kill me. Like, what am I going to do? How do I control? You know, I don't want to hit him because he'll kill me. But yep. the next minute, you know, and I'm going to, okay, I'll push him. Not even thinking for a second that pushing this guy, like, I didn't think I would move him. You know, like, he's big, I'm, you know, small. I thought he was going to stay where he yep, was, but I might, you know, just get enough to, to make him listen. Yep. But yeah, he flew. And he, yep. when he hit his head, I, I thought I'd killed this guy. So he's already been in a scuffle and fallen over. And whether he was knocked out the first time, or not, I'm not sure. But he was definitely knocked the fuck out. <laughs> I, him, like, I thought he was dead. It took him probably two or three minutes to wake up. And yep. you know, we're waking him up, waking him up. And he sort of comes to. And he's looking at me. I'm like, you all right, mate? Oh, what happened? What happened? I'm like, oh, you had a trip, mate. You f- fell over and hit your head. He's like, oh, fuck you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Are we all right, mate? You need to hang in the taxi. Anyway, 
let him over the taxi rank and I put him, I walked him over to the taxi rank because he had no idea. I'm like, okay, this is a good outcome. He's yeah. okay. Told him to go up to the hospital, get in a taxi. Anyway, as I'm walking back to the club, I hear the yelling and screaming and I turn around. This guy's in another fight and gets knocked out again by two other guys. <laughs> anyway, cut it. Cutting that bit short, end of the night, I went up with another guard to another club uh, that runs with Schmobery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this guy was up there outside the club oh, in sake. another fight, got knocked out again four times in one Imagine night. Imagine the fucking out. concussion on him. Mate, I, his skull must have been about that thing because, yeah, the, there were chunks of meat on that concrete pile. Like, if that was anyone else, he'd be dead. And uh, yeah. that, for me, was a real turning point. Like... This, you know, it could be this easy, yeah, to not only to up. lose your job, but to potentially end up in jail, which has yeah. happened to guards. Yeah, here. you probably know as well. Like, well, one of the guards choked someone out, he fell and broke his face or whatever. Yes, so. that silly boy, yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. won't mention any names. No, but, no, no, um, no, but you, that, you know what I'm person, saying, like, yeah, 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 but I mean, I, I don't think it had malicious intent. Well, I don't know. I read, I mean, I read the Mercury article and they said. The review of the CCTs, CCTV footage, right? So whatever happened, you know, there was something like the guy wouldn't take his jumper off or his hat or whatever. Yeah. So they bought him out, choked him, and this was that which is currently fuck. What's it even called these days? What's downstairs of Slow Bar? Rose Street. <laughs> yeah. So <coughs> that used to be called some. Marquee or some, Toledo, some shit yeah, like that. Yeah, Toledo. Right? For anyway, like so that's what it was. So from that, the from the stairs to the pavement is quite a walk. Now that guy's already unconscious during that walk, and then gets dropped face first into the gutter, and then supposedly what got the judge to give because mm. usually you do something, you don't do time. Like I'm pretty sure who you know this fella, this was his first offence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he did six months jail mm. if memory serves. The judge's decision was because it was, apparently it was clear as he turned around the CC caught him. He was smiling. Yeah, right. Okay. And then, yeah, so supposedly that was why the judge handed down that decision. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't believe that person would have maliciously and deliberately caused facial yeah, structural yeah, yeah. damage. Just think didn't think the unconsciousness was yeah. intentional. Which yeah. All the cowboys used to do it in the industry. Yeah. Everyone used to choke people out because they didn't know anything else. Yeah. Well, their mate would teach them a rear naked or, or a yeah. um, guillotine or whatever, yeah. and that was their go-to move. If there's mm. two or three guys in a wrestle, the guy's twice your size, you choke him out and drag him out. Like, that's yeah. just how it used yeah. to be. I mean, when yeah. I was 18, I used to choke people out. Man. Oh. Yeah, cool. Or just just when you're 18, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, some, like, sometimes you work a venue, just say it's me and I'm working with, uh, you know, maybe a little fella that's from fucking Afghanistan or something, mm. right? And I know if shit hits the fan, he's just going to poo his pants and run, mm. right? And like you said, if there's some big fucker, it's like, well, I can't grab an arm because then there's another arm that's not controlled. So if I feel like my safety is going to be in jet, well, I'm going to choke a fucking motherfucker out, aren't I? Yeah, yeah. But what I usually find is you just have to put the pressure on and the f- person feels that, you know, that initial where things get a bit spacey and then they'll just do whatever you want. So you can just release it. You don't usually actually have to put people fully under yeah, unless yeah. they're an absolute fucking dog cunt. Yeah. Look, normally you'd work in a pair or in a team in security yeah. and someone would go, oh, he's going out. And that would be enough because when they start to go, mm. you can get control of something else. Yeah. You can transition into an arm hold or a, yeah. a lock or a t- whatever. 
But I, I had a scary experience with a, um, a choke as well, actually, when I was up at Curly's and I was managing at the time. And we had a piece of shit who'd attacked guards, um, punched one of the guards in the face. And, you know, yep. it, it'd been a blue. We got him outside and basically started up again and they're shaping up and come and have a fight. And I mean, we'd already kicked this guy out and dragged him more than once. So we're up to like the third physical engagement with this person. And I um, took him down and got him in a choke. And I turned to one of the other guards, who I'm not very fond of nowadays. I said, let me go. If you, let me know when he starts to go. You know, starts to go out. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking and it was about 20 seconds later, 25 seconds later, which is a long time, you know. Like, yeah. normally it takes four seconds yeah. or something if, if you're applying a chokehold. Um, and I'm like, man, is he, you know, what's going on? You know, is he out? He's like, yeah, he's been out for like 15 seconds. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? This guy was a piece of shit, so I don't really feel sorry, but it scared me because yeah. as soon as I let go of him, this guy had a seizure, man. Like he's, he had yeah. a seizure and he shat his pants Ooh. and he pissed himself. Spicy. So <laughs> I felt bad. I rolled this guy in the recovery position, waited for him to, you know, finish having his fit. Anyway, he got up and he went to have a go again. <laughs> and he, I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? You fucking shit yourself like you're a man. And he's like, oh. <laughs> he's going to put his hand down, down the back of his pants. He's going to fucking shit me. <laughs> oh. And a bit of a meltdown after he realized he shit pissed himself and walked up. Now, I'm not proud of that at all. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm honestly, <laughs> I'm just thinking of shit things, but I'm honestly not proud of it. And the yeah. guy who I expected to help me out and tell me that he was out did, you know, a real disservice. Dropped the ball a little bit, yeah. Well, he, it was intentional. He had a, they had an issue, uh, an outside of work issue, which yeah, he was okay. bringing into it. But ultimately, you know, it would have been me who ended up in strife if this guy didn't wake up. Um, yeah. <clears throat> people generally wake up from a chokehold. This, it happens millions yeah. of times every day, mm. everywhere in the world, you know, it's, you're pretty unfortunate if someone doesn't wake up, but yeah, it was a, it was another one. I was oh fuck, you know, like, this could go really bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, going back, so I've got three stories: two related, one unrelated. Yeah. Actually, one was just from I was cruising through the city today, but I'll I'll tell you about that in a second. <clears throat> I remember working at Grape back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. The security supervisor of Grape, and. Um, at midnight, we closed half of the door, mm-hmm. so it was easier to manage just half a door. Um, and there was this old fella that got chucked. We, th- we threw him out. Well, actually, I think it was just me. And he's at the door, and he's fucking mouthing off. And I'm like, mate, just fuck off. You're like yeah. 60 years old. He was probably about 55. Fridays at Great used to be for the older, wealthier Tasmanians. Yeah, yeah. So, like, <clears throat> you know, uh, at the time, I was probably 22. I looked like I was about 16. Um, so I didn't gather, I didn't get a whole lot of respect after they had a couple of drinks. So a lot of times I used to have to put the smack down on a couple of, anyway, this guy's mouth, I'm like, mate, just fuck off. You need to fuck off. And this was like when fucking iPhone fours were like the shit. Yeah. Right. And he fucking pulls his iPhone four out and he goes, you fucking dog. And I grabbed it and I fucking hurled it as fucking far as I could <laughs> across the pebble fucking stones of Salamac. Anyway, just fuck. And she was fucking gone, mate. Anyway, so of course he gets angry and he comes at me. I said, fuck off. And he comes at me and I, I feel like it was 50%. But you know, when someone's had a couple of drinks, 
balance and stuff yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, very yeah. good. So, like your story, he's like, cue the Enya music. Dun, dun, dun. He's in the fucking air, and somehow he should have went backwards, but he's somehow done a fucking rotation. <laughs> and now he's hit. He's hit the ground. Face first, skidded and hit the grape sign, which was like, you know, a triangle sign that they put out. Yeah. He's hit it, knocked it over, and it's fell on his head. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking and I'm going, he's not moving. Yeah. And I'm like, I've just killed someone's fucking grandpa. And uh, people out the front were like, oh my God, that was so excessive. And I was like, did you not see him like come at me? Like, did you not see that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, whatever. Anyway, some people ran over and they're like, oh, you're good. Are you all good? Like, pull the sign off his fucking head. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you're good, mate. You're good. And um, he's like, oh, oh, what the fuck happened? And I said, mate, you tried to attack me and I defended myself. Yeah. You, know, you need to go home. Like, you know, you're old as shit. Like, get in a taxi and fuck off. And um, he goes, oh, my jacket's inside. And I said, okay, what's it look like? And he's like, oh, it's a fucking, some kind of blazer. And I said, all right, too easy. Fucking, back then we only had two guards. Yeah, one, yeah. one at Grape and one down the back at Squires. Now there's like fucking 17 guards in there. Yeah, so he's come down. I said, don't let that fucking old cunt back in. So I found his blazer. <laughs> look, I might, look, it's, I don't know, if you're listening, you might think that this is a cuntish move, but if you've worked security and you've had to deal with fuckers, you just, you got to get the licks in where you can. I found... <laughs> <laughs> Here's his blazer sitting on a seat nicely, and I thought, you know what? Fuck this old cunt. And I, so I threw it on the fucking ground into like this puddle of beer. Oh, I stood on top of it, and I did the little skimmy shuffle and pretty much polished the floor with it. And I picked it up, yeah. and as I came out, I just threw it in his face and said, There's your jacket now, fuck off. And, um, <laughs> and he did, you know. But uh, I thought that could have went. You know, really bad. And then, you know, you're doing the write-up and you're just like, oh, yeah, this man tried to, like, refused him entry. He's come back, tried to attack me. You know, I feared for my life. So I've pushed him to create a bit of distance and um, whatever. And I thought, well, that one could come back to bite me. But it never did, thankfully, you know. Second one uh, you would be probably familiar with. I was working at Smellograph Hotel. (laughs) Now, the thing about the management of this place is... They tell you one thing one week, then they tell you fuck another, then they tell you one thing, and you're just like, mate, I can't keep up with all the bullshit yeah. you're telling me, right? You're just telling, I'll do something, and then you'll say, oh, you should never have done that. I'm like, you literally told me last week that I should do that. So anyway, there's this big fucker, probably, I don't know, six foot five, whatever, big cunt, right? And I'll, I'll preface this, this was a Saturday night, Friday night, I got smacked in the face, mm. right? So there was a restraint. Uh, one of the guards did the old overhooks over the arms, which mm. I don't really like because people are still quite mobile from there. And as I was, I, I came in quite lazy and you've still got full use of your arms and the guy smacked me with a little fucking cheap shot. So I was already a little bit like dirty about that. Uh, that gentleman, uh, might have he might have went to the hospital with a very sore shoulder. So if you're listening, suck shit, can't. <laughs> <laughs> And Tazpole, if you're listening, that never happened. Is it because uh, he hit you in the face and you, you're so chiseled and hard that he hurt his hand or his arm? Yeah, some, well, actually, he continued to try and attack me after that and I tried to regain control and in trying to regain control, um, his shoulder might have been immobilised to a point where it was no longer functional. Yes, yes. It's yeah. like when someone continues to headbutt your fist. Well, I think this is a fucking <laughs> hilarious story, actually, because uh, I was... 
were fucking like rolling around and I don't know what it was. I just couldn't fucking get hold of this bloke. Like I just couldn't hold him properly. So mm-hmm. he was like down on the ground and then I'd sort of have, you know, turtle position on him, but I just couldn't control his fucking arms. And uh, I ended up getting him in, it's called a hammerlock where you just mm-hmm. use one. Anyway, um, took the hammerlock to the absolute limit and someone ended up, you remember the show Gumby? Yes, yes. He ended up with a Gumby arm. And like after <laughs> after that, I was like, oh, fuck. You know, like someone's just punched you in the face. You're a bit, you're in a bit of a rage, um, you know, and I might have used a bit too much strength on that one. But I released that, right? I was basically holding his arm like, I wasn't really even holding it. It's like how you hold your fucking nan when she's crossing the street. Right, because I knew, he couldn't fucking use yeah, it. Yeah. Right. Anyway, there was a certain operations manager that in that company that did fuck all. Uh, you know, had a nice little slick Mediterranean hairdo. Yes. He's fucking come out of nowhere and seen, oh fuck, Eric's got the arm a bit relaxed, and fucking grabbed it and fucking reefed it up this guy's back. And I just hear this guy go, mm, like, He's imagine up on resisting. Imagine <laughs> being <laughs> trying to find. <laughs> Trying to escape. Imagine being in like you're in so much pain you you don't even scream anymore. Yeah. You're just like, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah. and um, not the finest hour, but uh, it is what it is. You know, you shouldn't assault security. Where that mobility resistance was, I thought that was just fight. You know, so mistake by me. Uh, it is it is what it is. Um, anyway, fast forward to the Saturday night. This gentleman had his stein and he tried to leave with it. And I said, mm. "Oh, mate, you can't." fucking take the stein with you and he shoved me and I was just like oh fuck you mate so I slapped it the fucking plastic stein snapped slapped it out of his hand and thought well fuck now you can't drink it cunt because it's on the ground and he's just and then next thing this fucking right hand's loaded just fucking shooting at me and um, I've done this little duck and sort of body locked him and come from the back and before I could even think the guy was fucking sail away <laughs> <laughs> Up over my fucking head and just dumped straight onto his fucking face. Face down, not moving once again. And then blood starts to pool around the head. And I was just like... I was literally in my head at that time, all I, was th- I would just see like fucking some Akon music video. The fucking jail door shuts. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, fuck what am I going to say to the fucking judge, right? Like, yeah. maybe that was too much. But the trauma of being punched the shift before, it was yeah, like, yeah. I just, you know, your training just kicks in, right? And I just thought, I can't let this man punch me because this gun's like 120. If that lands, I'm probably going to sleep. And then what's going to happen after that? Yeah, yeah well, that's it, especially with someone that size. You have yeah. to realistically assess other people's capabilities. And he's laying there and I'm thinking, fuck me dead. And then there's movement, right? He starts moving. I'm like, oh, thank fuck for that. Did you put the booty on? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the most unluckiest moment of my life because as that happened, the two operations managers oh, were yes. on the fucking corner, right? And they ran over um, as he was, like, getting up. And he's just like, kind of what you said. He's just like, oh. and I'm like, you're right, mate. And he goes, I just want to go home. And he's like, no worries, mate. Fucking head that way. And then he was fucking, he was off. Yeah. And uh, I thought, 
That one might come back to bite me in the ass, and it didn't really help that the operation manager showed me the CCD and oh that was fucking excessive and yeah. I'm going well can't maybe you should listen to us when we say we don't have enough staff and yeah, fucking I'm, and they were all trained martial arts oh, of course. With security backgrounds of and course. experience yeah of yeah, course which has all come out in the wash ever since but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it is what it is you know uh, I don't you know little disclaimer there I don't go out to hurt people but uh, you know sometimes things happen. Um, oh yeah for context what did you say you've been doing this 15 years yeah and I've been doing it a little under 18 and you know we're talking about you know the worst incidents or you know extreme incidents yeah not necessarily um boasting or proud of it but these are things you know whether it's something that scared you or um, yeah. something that made you think and yeah, to anyone who's listening to this, yeah, we, we probably sound like right fucking thugs. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like any security officer, crowd controller listening to this will understand, but the Joe Schmo will be like, oh, that was fucking too much. I mean, they'll probably fucking laugh about it, but. Um, yeah. yeah, well, but these are, these are the extreme, you know, these are the learning lessons or, you know, areas where you've done something and sort of gone, oh, fuck, like that, that could have gone badly, you know. Thinking back to when I first started doing security, like yourself, I had no grappling background. Like, I came up um, doing karate. I did a couple of different styles of karate growing yeah. up. I did a little bit of uh, boxing, and then I did some uh, bushido, um, which is a mixture. It's a style of life, effectively. When I was a teenager, Fantastic. I was some some martial arts loser, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to learn multiple styles of martial arts, but um, anyway, yeah. Um, but I had no grappling yeah. experience. And when I f- moved to Cairns and I worked at the casino up there, they had a, um, a training program. Yep. And it was, at that time, it was all small joint manipulation. And yep. I learned that and I learned it really, really fucking well. <laughs> like, really well. And when the security industry moved away from small joint manipulation when that's all you've ever learnt mm. um, as far as restraints techniques um, and you're told you're not allowed to hit people and that's what you've been trained to do it's like you go to these you know four, five, six techniques that you've learnt which were all small joint manipulation yeah. and I can tell you like there were a lot of wrists broken in my first four or five years of security and it was acceptable back then like yeah. if someone resisted I mean Think she's, they didn't even go to court. Like the police would view the footage and you'd have someone in a gooseneck, you know, whether it's up here or here or in a straight arm bar or whatever. Like if someone tried to get away from you and you drop your weight, you know, going downstairs or this was on the weekly. Like we had broken wrists every week at work when I started out before the industry moved away from yep. small joint manipulation into larger, you know, whole arm locks and full full restraints or whatever. So, so you know, the, the industry's come a long way, but it's also... That was legitimately what was trained to you back then. Yeah. That's what you were taught to do. You know, thumbs, wrists, ankles. You know, there were a lot, a lot of things yeah. breaking, and it's you can say that that's vicious or we're doing the wrong thing, but that's what we were taught to do. Mm. And at the end of the day, these fuckheads, if they just walk out the fucking door <laughs> when you ask them to, exactly. You go, what are you gonna do? You yeah, fucking, exactly. You, stick man, you know, you get some big thug or whatever. They forget that their wrist bone is just as weak as everyone else's. Um, <laughs> And quickly turn into gumbies, but <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Training's a big thing, you know, and and the training given at that time, you know, by today's standards, is barbaric or brutal. But that's what people were trained to do. Yeah, effective though. Yeah, well, actually, that was one of the questions: was do you think martial arts is essential 
if you would want to go down the path of security? I would say that some martial arts would bring you more detriment than benefit. Like going in with a karate background and stuff, I mean, yeah. that got me in more trouble than yeah. good. You know, A, um, throwing kicks and stuff when you're wearing, like, when you're sparring and you're young and, you, you know, you can kick someone in the head and you're all, whip a chain! You're flexible and you yeah. put on a heavy pair of steel cap boots and some, you know, cargo pants with every pocket full of notebooks yeah. and yeah. whatever. And wet you start floor. trying to fucking kick someone on a wet floor mm. and you're going to do a high kick and next thing you're doing nearly the splits on the ground while he's punching you in the head. You go, yeah. fuck, why didn't that work? You know, it worked in the, in the dojo or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, no, that wasn't helpful. Also, it looks bad. I mean, I had an incident one night where someone came up and they sort of, they went to kick me. I thought, okay, you want to kick, I will kick. You know, I was quite comfortable. I prefer to work at range. I'm sloppy with my hands. I'm not a good boxer. Um, and we're kicking, I'm throwing like these round kicks and spinning back kicks or whatever. And the fucking police... <laughs> Fuck that. I, that would have, I wish I saw the footage of that. Imagine saying security versus someone and you're throwing a fucking spinning kick. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like, this is some, this is some band damn shit. Yeah, and uh, well, that's that's what I knew at the time. Yep. And uh, the police came up afterwards because, you know, the fight ended. I ended up restraining this guy after we'd had a few kicks. Around, and they're like, you can't be doing that Jackie Chan shit around here. Yep. It's not how it fucking works. Yep. And I'm like, okay, man, sorry. You know, respect. You know, it's like, okay, I have to change what I'm doing. And yep. that would have been, uh, I don't know, probably 12, 12 years ago or something. Yeah, and the cop came up. He's like, "Man, you can't do that. That looks fucking shit on camera." Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's kicking at you or whatever. But you know, if you've done any martial art in the gym or whatever, they're going to go, "Is it reasonable force? How yeah. training is it?" I say, like, "Okay, these are all things you don't really think about." Um, so, do you need to do martial arts? No. Uh, would martial arts be beneficial, in my opinion, from someone who started grappling really late? Um, and for context around that, I think I did about ten lessons of. Um, Greco-Roman or whatever it was. Yep, the um, old wrestling classes. Wrestling classes. Yes. Um, I did a couple, of, when I first started out, I did a couple of like sort of open days with security from different pubs and clubs used to get together. Yeah, okay. Um, with Bruce and Priscus and Sean Gilligan and a couple of people used to go down the uni gym. I did maybe yep. three or four sessions of that. And then later down the track, I did maybe two lessons at HTC yep. or something in BJJ and um, I went to judo for, for two years but that was all very late in my security yep, career sure. I didn't do a lot of grappling early on I wish I had more grappling background yep. going in because I would have got in a lot less trouble yep. and I would have had the ability to stop a lot of fights escalating with the confidence that I could deal with someone getting a hold of me whereas early on only knowing how to strike Having someone grab me or get a hold of me was a scary situation to be in because I didn't want to go on the ground because yep. I wasn't confident on the ground, so I fucking punch it. <laughs> it's, it's all about perspective, I guess. If you're comfortable in yourself, A, well, I'm over 100 kilos now, uh, a lot of experience, got a bit of, bit of a grappling background. Yep. If someone grabs me now, I'm, I'm happy to fucking stand there and sure. have a wrestle. Yeah. Um, back then, if someone grabbed me, I was packing my dacks. I thought, if this guy yep. gets me down, I can't get him up. You know, I didn't have the strength that I do as a, yep. you know, as a 36 year old, like even as a fat fuck, you know, <laughs> I'm not in peak physical fucking form at the yeah, moment, but yeah. you know, I can still, I can still lift a lot more than I could at my best at 18, yep. 19, 20 or whatever. Sure. It's just being a man, you know, 36, you're a man. 
your body broadens and gets thicker and mm. you're stronger without doing a fucking thing than you are yeah. when you're trying your hardest at, yeah. at 18 or 19. Yeah. You're a boy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would have slapped me around at, at 18 or 19. But um, having wrestling restraints abilities definitely beneficial. Mm. Would highly recommend it. Mm. I mean, if you can have a, a custom restraints class or something tailored for security even better you know like real world scenarios that's what's more important and i mean i tried to do that when i started doing security courses scenario based training where we'd have a mock nightclub we'd have a mock break-in scene or you know um get people trying to pull people apart from a fake fight and, you know, deal with unknowns. Hey, give them the scenario, you've got three guys fighting over here, go break them up. Not tell them that they're mates in the toilet, you know, not let them know that there's another person about to yeah. run out and fucking try and hit him in the back yeah. of the head. That's what's really beneficial, getting sure. your third eye, your situational awareness, yeah. that, that comes with experience. So grappling experience or martial arts experience, definitely um, not striking, though. Any striking you know is actually going to be a hindrance because you're likely to use it. You're better off having no striking experience at all, in my opinion. Yeah. When I started, <clears throat> I had a, I was doing a bit of Muay Thai, which uh, helped me about sweat fuck all. Uh, unless you're Good for color tie. Unless you're punching on, unless you're punching on with people. Um, I mean, even if you've got a tie clinch on someone, they're still their, their arms are still free. Yes. So there's not yeah. much you can really do. It wasn't actually until a couple years into my... And I actually never really even thought about it. Like, mm. when I was young, I was thinking, ah, oh, fuck, you know, I was fucking... You know, you want a car, flick a fucking jab out there, mate. <laughs> you know, fucking be wishing you were somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought that, like, there was a better way that you could control people. I thought, ah, oh, fuck, this is just you fucking... Back. I used to think wrestling was for fucking, you know... Guys who want to prance yeah. around in a leotard. I well, didn't understand you know, how it worked. I just thought they all wanted to get on top of each other, yeah. rub each other in oil, and you know, <laughs> let's pass off. <laughs> and let's be honest, unfortunately Tasmania is a bit slow on the upkeep, like on the uptake with things like martial arts, you know, like it took ages for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to come mm. here, uh, and then it took ages for people to actually start doing it and be like, oh yeah, this isn't some gay shit where two blokes are fucking sniffing each other's crotch. Yeah, and a few um, gyms to open up and become competitive. Yeah, yeah exactly. I remember <clears throat> when I was 20, I moved to Brisbane, and I was working at this nightclub, and I remember this fucking big dude, just not, like he was tall, but he was skinny, and I remember I was working the dance floor, um, and he just fucking popped this cunt and I was just thinking fuck what am I going to do here and I just did the old bear hug from the back mm. and then it was slippery as shit we both just fell over and he fucking hit his <laughs> he hit his head on the thing and was like pretty much like uh, and I was like I think that was fucking that was a win but after that I was like oh maybe I should start learning some mm. shit because like you can't punch everyone but the place I worked for they would do this every Tuesday you had to come and do training with them yeah, yeah. Uh, otherwise Similar. you wouldn't you wouldn't get there. shifts for the week. Yeah, yeah um, cool. Back then, it was like heaps of standing arm bars and shit. And look, maybe it was that was good shit back in the day. But I don't really like standing arm bars. I find uh, there's only a very small percentage of people that can get them in that environment. To get it on someone, you've got to be quick because when someone starts moving the arm, it's what fucking... Yeah. It's hard, uh, you know, especially when they're flexing, it's hard to get that. But uh, love the old wrist lock, still like the wrist lock, and I still think it's pretty applicable I'm, I'm to this day. But uh, I'm more like the modified one where the wrist is like this because you don't really have to put coming, much... Coming back to you, yeah. You don't have to put much pressure and like the arm's locked into you. So it's sort of like can't really go anywhere anyway. But um, 
yeah, I remember running a couple of people down the slow bar stairs, you know, the nice little modified gooseneck. But um, the other story, I had a, ran into a gentleman, uh, young William, today, yes. and uh, he was reminiscing about uh, because apparently he's 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 a real G now, um, and uh, he reckons he was taking three people down at Obar or something at the same time. I said, oh yeah, cool man, and he goes, I oh, remember that time, <laughs> remember that time when I was, I don't know if you remember it, but. There was a call to get someone off the dance floor and Will ended up on the bottom. This guy ended up on top, right? And we're working the door and you ran you ran up there and I waited probably about two, three minutes and I was just like, they're not coming down yet so maybe I better go and see what's going on. So I got stamps lined to, you know, watch everything and I ran up there and you guys were coming from the dance floor and then it just went down to the floor and Will was trapped under the bottom and there was another very eager young man who was knee riding this guy? Yeah, and I said, I won't say his name. Maybe I'll have him on the show, and then we can talk about. The, uh... <laughs> and I said, get off! Like you're just putting more weight on Will. Yeah, like Will's yeah. under the fucking bottom now. He's got two cunts on top of him. I said, when I when I say go, I want you to pull Will out. Now, anyway, so it's one, two, three. He pulls Will out. Me and you got the arms, and then. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place to <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I had I had him in a hammerlock. And I remember we got to the stairs, the top of the stairs, and he was in tears, right? Having a little cry about, you know, it it hurts, right? And it's like, I, I think he tried to punch a guard or something. Mm. And it was like, well, mate, why don't you think about your actions before that? Like, you know, you could have just easily walked out. but Yeah, don't talk. Yeah, but you didn't. And then, you know, yeah, it was... Yeah, he was bringing that story up, and I thought, oh, yeah. I said, so you're not getting trapped under people anymore, are you, Will? And, uh, you know, apparently he's not. He reckons he's the man. Um, whether that's true or not, who uh, who really knows? I remember, actually, there was one night, there was a Sunday, and I was working at that popular establishment. And I don't know. Uh, there, we got called upstairs. Um, there was another fella, Aaron, was working, and he said... This guy had kicked him in the, mm. as he was walking through the dance floor. He kicked him in the back of the shoot. And I said, oh, okay. So have you asked him to leave? And he goes, yeah, I'm doing it now. So he's asked him to leave and the guy won't leave. And he's like done a little um, half, fucking grabbed his elbow. And I'm like, never going to work. Anyway, the guy ended up pushing him. I'm on, fucking wrist locks on, let's go. Take him down the fire stairs and he's out. At some point, he ended up back in there. I don't know how the mm. fuck he got back in. But he got back in. So Aaron calls it in. The fucking dude's back in. Okay. So we go up there. Look, mate, you got to fucking leave. But now he's with a whole group of mates. And I'm thinking, we had four, five guards. Five guards. And it's a group of six. And I was like, okay, let's see. It's all cool because I was doing the talking, you know. So they're all li- yeah. leaving with me. And we get to the bottom where the elevator is. And I don't know what it was with Aaron. But he just thought, I'm going to have a go. And he said something to the bloke, and the bloke's like, oh, fuck you, blah, 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 whatever the fuck. And they, I think he pushed the bloke, the guy pushed back. And then, of course, there's a big friend, right? There's always a fucking big friend. The big friend grabs Aaron with a double choke at the front. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, can't we just have like an easy fucking night? Anyway, I'm trying to get this guy's fucking grip off, and it's like fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator. <laughs> One half of me sinking, I'm just going, ah, oh, you're on your own now, Aaron. Fucking enjoy the, enjoy the shadow realm. And, now I asked, and I'm thinking, how the fuck am I going to get this big cunt off him? And I just looped around, grabbed his chin and just fucking pushed him to the ground. 
I ended up in side control on top of this bloke and he just fucking bench pressed me like I was fucking nothing. Because you're a small guy. (laughs) (laughs) And as he was lifting me, I was thinking, I think we fucked up here. Yeah. I think we fucked. Because I'm looking over and the guards are like struggling with these other fellas. But there's also a fuck ton of blood now. And I'm just thinking, what the fuck? (laughs) Who's that? No one on the door. All the guards are in this scuffle. So you've got the, uh, every, you know, everyone's favourite, um, the person that took over as the security manager, everyone's favourite person, standing at the door like this, you know, like a fucking stop yeah. sign. And I'm going, you know, where's the fucking cops? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we called him. And I said, just shut the fucking doors, mate, and send everyone down the fire exit mm. upstairs. Oh, no, no, we can't close the doors. Well, yeah, like, what the fuck? So this guy's fucking bench pressing me and his missus is standing there with fucking Snapchat and she's like, oh my God. And I'm like, well, at the minute, it doesn't really look bad for me because I look like I'm getting fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, can you just get her the fuck out of here? And um, I thought, fuck this. And slipped, slipped to the side, hit an arm choke until he felt like, you know, he'd eased up and then that was that. We just fucking, I just released it back to side control. I thought this is a strong motherfucker, and then I just I fucking look over, and it's just a puddle of fucking blood, and like you know, a couple of Pakistanis on top of a couple of white boys, <laughs> and I just thought, did it really have to fucking go this way? Anyway, two cops rocked up, and they just looked, and they just rolled their eyes and said, "Oh, can you bring them outside?" And I was thinking, "Can you?" Like <laughs> we just fucking got these guns down here. Anyway, interesting turn of events. The next week. There was a girl who was a regular there and she said, oh, i got to tell you something, Eric. And I said, yeah. She goes, oh, I think I caused a bit of trouble last week. And I said, what happened? She goes, um, I was on the dance floor and I tried to get Aaron's attention so I kicked his foot. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Six people died. <laughs> and I just thought, bitch, please. I just thought, oh. my fucking God, you know. <laughs> I've had to pass out the cards to the guards, like the employee assistance program uh, guys, if you need a bit of trauma counselling, you know, and it's just like, are you fucking serious? And I thought, I said, just keep that to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> just oh, keep yeah. that one to yourself. I thought, fuck me, dude. That's, uh, that's a wild ride, but, um, you know, it is what it is, I guess. But, you know, kind of glad to be out of that that scene, you know, because it does, it does get quite dangerous and as you get older, you sort of think about You make about, a lot of enemies, man. You make a lot of enemies. Yeah. That, that was a problem I found, you know, you walk through the mall, there's that fucking cunt from Schlambach, you know, there's yeah. that rally graph person, you know, it's like, fuck. Yeah. You know, you're walking through with your your wife or your girlfriend or whatever, I've got kids and I'm like, is this guy going to try and take my head off while I'm with my kids? Like, am I going to have, am I either going to get knocked the fuck out and mortify my children, you know, but that's dead. Or am I going to have to go tribal on someone to protect my family? Yeah. And is my kid going to think that I'm the monster? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's no win in that situation. And no, definitely not. You know, you go to the taste or a festival or whatever. You're out with friends, and then you know, people either want to. You, you can't enjoy yourself because people either want to be around you because you're the the bouncer. Yeah. And you can't just hang out with your mates, or they want to have a go at you. And it's gone from you having six six guards with you and the, the odds are in your favour yeah. uh, to them having 20 mates or their whole mm. football team with them and a bandetta. And, you know, it just ruins your ability to enjoy a night out. That's what I found. In and now it's slowly starting to... Because yep. the generation has changed, as you know. Yeah. Every few years they cycle through and mm. 
some mature and go off and get jobs or whatever and you, you knew a bunch of 18 year olds yeah. through so but now I seem to be in the clear I don't have too many you know that I don't want to take good. my head off anymore there's still a few that I've dragged or thrown down the stairs that hate me but for the most part it's it seems to have normalised I found for me it was worse when I worked retail because you literally meet like you meet scumbags when you work when you're a bouncer but you meet the fucking creme de la creme of the bottom feeders when you're trying to catch thieves like the fucking people you meet you just think what the fuck and they're sober mm. but Which you always scary. you always run into them so when I was working retail I was living in in Lena Valley mm. so I'd shop at Northgate and fuck me the chick that I was dating at the time you just walk through and it was just like I used to always have my keys intertwined in my fingers yeah ready yeah. to fucking roll and I just thought Fuck, is it even like you know, twenty three bucks an hour? Is it even worth it? You know, like and what yeah. I just they call it. They're like, oh, you fucking dog, and you're like, mate, you're the one fucking stealing. You, exactly. Like, exactly. Why, why am I the fucking dog? And dogs are loyal animals. I've never understood the insult because dogs are such loyal animals. But, yeah, yeah. Fucking dog can't, mate. Yeah, fucking beautiful. What uh, What do you reckon was your favourite workplace? If you can't think of one, what's your top three? Probably Curly's. Yeah, that was. Yep. That was a fun time. I used to enjoy going there as a punter. I thought Curly's was pretty. I cool. mean, we'd have two thousand three hundred or four hundred people through on a Saturday night. Yep. Our slowest night, like a Wednesday, you know, we were getting twelve hundred people through the door. Yep. Um, and people used to pay to come in. Yeah. So, like we were pumping. Mm. Um. Great venue because it had the split levels. We had one, two, three, four bars. Yep. Um, a legitimate VIP area, if yep. you know what I mean. Like it had a VIP room. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a fucking cool venue and had smoking areas upstairs, downstairs. I mean, it was a challenging venue to work, but it, yep. was, it was fun. I mean, that was the first management security role I'd had, I guess. You yep. know, I'd, I'd, Worked a few gigs before going there, but that was the first time I'd, I'd run one. And it was not necessarily that I was particularly capable. It's just I looked around and there wasn't anyone there that I wanted to work for. Yep. Um, yep. Fair so enough. So I'm sort of like, you know, hey, the boss is gone. Yep. I'll put my hand up. Just one of those moments where you sort of look around and oh, I, I wouldn't want to listen to this person. or I wouldn't want this person making a decision that will determine my safety. Yep. I mean, that was a hairy venue. We had, you know, a few issues with weapons there, a couple of run-ins with bikies. Um, I probably got injured there more than any other venue. Yep. <laughs> the worst injury I probably got there actually was an accident. It wasn't a, a fight or anything. There was, I mean, you're familiar with it, but for the benefit of anyone who, who listens, a very steep stairwell immediately inside. So you go up five or six steps to get up to the first landing, which is where we used to stand in security. And then you'd have your booth or whatever on the left where you paid. And then quite a steep set of stairs that went to a landing and then another very short set of stairs to get you to the, mm. the first level. And one day there was this little, uh, I don't know, 18, 19 year old girl and she was coming down there and she tripped. Yep. And she just started tumbling down the stairs. And I thought, fuck, this girl's going to go straight outside like she was going that quick down the stairs 
And I went in and I tried to catch this poor girl but got my timing off as she's spinning down the stairs. And as I went to grab her, her foot just came up Ooh. and hit me in the face, split my nose and my lips open. I've gone down nearly unconscious on the ground. She's dazed and confused but sort of okay and I'm busted open. But uh, I was trying to be the knight in shiny armour and ended yep. up, you know, fucking myself. <laughs> yeah. it, it fucked up, eh? Yeah. I've uh, been quite lucky, actually. I don't I haven't really got any injuries except... Apart from, um, you want to know, actually, I'd never, ever been, no one had ever landed a punch on me until I started land, working at the Smellograph yeah. Hotel. Right. So that's also another reason why it probably hit me hard was because I'd survived, I think it was like 13 years at that point, no one ever fucking landed a punch on this beautiful fucking face. And it was just a real sloppy hold and a real lazy entry from me and I just thought oh fuck I actually started thinking I was just like fuck maybe it's time to retire like if you're just getting too complacent but obviously I didn't I stayed on because I'm a fucking idiot but uh... yeah I've, I've copped a few here but ne- it's nearly always been a scenario like you're talking about where I've thought another guard has them restrained yeah. or you know that's like that's how I got my tooth broken um, I got head butted uh, because we grabbed a guy and yep. he got free. Yeah. You know, he got free of the other guard and yep. headbutted me and it broke my tooth in half. So it's like, it doesn't matter how, how good you can zig or zag or, or, mm. or what's not, you know, you've you got to have trust in the guys that are with you and occasionally yeah. there's going to be a fuck up. Someone's going to slip up or fall down the stairs or whatever. You know. Sooner or later you're going to get hit. Mm. Um, that's the reality of it. And then you've got to be really lucky to get insurance if they do any damage, you know, I mean, you've got to be 100% in the right. And there's a lot of risk with the job and not a lot of reward. Yeah. Because, yeah. you, yeah. you know, that's thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. to fix my tooth. Yeah. Luckily, that was covered by insurance, but I know of people who have been injured and not been yeah, covered because of course. they were being excessive or they were outside of a boundary, which was yeah. their legal area. You know what I mean? Like, mm. companies will get out of paying for things if they can, so... And um, there used to be the old cashies where, yeah. obviously, if you're getting yeah, paid yeah, cash, definitely. you are not covered by sure, yeah. insurance, yeah. which was... And it's also illegal, so you're just losing your <laughs> fucking security <laughs> license. Too. Yeah. If you had your time over again, do you think you would still do security? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Would I do it the same? No. Yeah. You know, as we touched on before, I'd probably do... I'd do some training when I was younger. I'd learn yep. a bit of grappling. Yep. Hopefully get a bit of a cooler head, you know, like yep. not, get in it, not get as scrappy. I think having that grappling would would help mm. calm things with the confidence yep. in, in your ability to deal with those situations without having to resort to old um, uh, Jackie Chan, <laughs> as the police F- call it. Fisty cuffs. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, um, but definitely I'd do it again. Like met a lot of good, good mates over the years. Um, helped a lot of people you know like people can say what they want about security but I can tell you I've helped more people than I've hurt yeah um, you know fishing people out of fucking water fixing you know like helping people have got broken arms concussions whatever you know there's been a lot of people you know we've had people who've needed CPR um, whatever they're having a yeah. seizure you help a lot of people and that's the primary purpose of your job is to help people and to maintain the safety and public order yeah. in the venues or the facilities that you're employed to work at. So overall, it is a rewarding job for those those parts and I would do it again. Um, would I do it again in this lifetime now that I've already experienced all that? Probably not. And if I did, it would only be, you know, for a laugh or, you know, to yep. hang out with some mates. Yep. You 
hardly yeah. worth the trouble of getting a license and going through all the rigmarole. And even though I've got 18 years experience, because I allowed my license to lapse last month, I would now have to retrain. So despite yeah. being a, a registered security trainer and mm. training people in it and having all this experience, leading teams or whatever, training people internationally in, in, in security over in Papua New Guinea, um, I would have to go and retrain as if yeah. I'm an empty walking in off the street. Yeah, I could get up here or whatever and get through it pretty quickly, but it's still the system's fucked. Process, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard that uh, that you they've bought new units in and you need to complete them. But if you keep renewing your license, it's all good. But eventually they'll say that's not enough. You'll have to do it all again. Yeah, and then some shonky loser will just RPL it and yeah, inflict you. Because on it and just... I, I remember they did it back in the day uh, when I was working for this retail company. They had ownership of an RTO, and it was the same thing. You know, I've been doing security for fucking. I don't know, like six years at that point. Mm. And um, mind you, when I did my certificate, certificate two in security, it went for about it went for two days, and then they handed us our actual plastic license the next day. I've never seen license turnaround like that ever. But uh, Jason Alley must have had to look up somewhere. And uh, yeah, I had to do it. I had to do it all again. But uh, I remember when I did it, they didn't give you like you know you do a course and they'll give you your manual. It's, it explains to you mm. what you're supposed to know. This one didn't. It sort of was just like this little write-up and then they wanted you to answer all these questions. I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to know this? It's not even in the book. Oh, well, you know, that's just the way it is. And, but, you know, good old Google always had the answers anyway. Yeah. So, it was, yeah, it was pretty stupid. But um, when I was in Queensland, though, this is the thing. So before I left for Queensland, I was thinking about doing monitoring and there was only one RTO that did it and it was 400 bucks to do it. Went to Queensland, 50 bucks for the module, right? So I ended up working at the theme parks and you had to have monitoring, you had to have bodyguarding, you had to have CIT. Um, 50 bucks a piece, mate, and you're good to go, right? You do that in Tassie, that's a couple thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. And you probably learn more from your one day fucking module in Queensland than you would from the RTOs. In Tassie. Yeah, you know, I hate that that's true because I did try and change some of that. I tried to change the training requirement and some of mm. it has changed. Um, like the courses that they do with ASSET now, um, they were designed to be, like we were doing it over six weeks. Yep. And a couple of the guys came through, you've worked with some of the guys who came through the courses um, that I took. We had a six-week course and yep. it was, you know, it was good. But it's so hard to get people coming in the industry to want to part with their money and pay for legitimate training mm. and who's got the fucking availability to come and do six weeks of yeah. training exactly um, to go on a job you know what I mean like ah. sparkies and uh, apprentices in those industries they go in and they learn on the job on the tools mm. um, they have some time to TAFE or whatever um, if, if they need it I guess but um, it's very hard in security because you can't get on the job to do training until you've got this fucking certificate yeah which doesn't really train you, and if it does, it takes a long time, mm. but it's prohibitively expensive, and that's time you could be working. So yeah. and I think that's the biggest thing that's stopped good people coming into the industry. It's a real barrier. Like You've got a six-week period of not earning money and paying mm. thousands of dollars just to get a license to come in at the bottom of the yeah. security barrel. Um, something needs to change for the yeah. industry to start attracting quality 
applicants, you know, at the moment, and I don't know how to say it politically correctly, but, you know, we've got a lot of taxi drivers who are doing security. Um, and, I mean, we work with them. You know, there's a lot of great ones out there, but at the same time, these aren't people who are coming in with the yeah. physical requirements, the communication ability. Yeah. You know, like having English as a second language is a real fucking barrier when you're talking to people who are drunk. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is the majority of the security workforce now. It is people who have immigrated here who are professionals, you know, most of them are really intelligent people who are professionals with bachelor's degrees in fucking accounting, economics. Some of them are doctors, but mm. their, their qualifications aren't fully recognized here. Yeah. And it's a visa requirement for them to fucking do work or yeah. they have to go home. So they end up doing security and doing taxi driving and, and whatever. And nothing against them. I mean, they're the only people who are putting their hand up to do it at the moment. No one else is wanting to do it. And it's a real problem with the industry. I don't have a problem with these these people. Um, yeah. I've worked with lots and a lot of them are really great guys, but we you need a blend of people with good communication skills and English as a first language. You need a few in your team mm. for when you get that racist, drunken bogan who, don't, yeah. who refuses to speak to them because otherwise you end up in this heated match where... The guard takes offence because the bogan's being racist and the bogan takes offence because they're not Australian. And you get this whole fucking situation about nothing else other than, you know, this guard's inability to communicate in the way that the bogan expects them to communicate. Yeah. And it's not the guard's fault, but it is a real issue. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. The industry's fucked at the moment in that regard. It is super hard to get guards... They're super sought after, as you're aware, because they're offering $80 an hour to fucking guards at shonky pubs in town, yeah. um, which is more than I ever got managing a team yeah. of 40, so... Well, 80 bucks an hour is uh, is very good money. I think, what was the... The last time I worked with you was... Um, what was it called? Festival. Hot, hot Dub. Hot, hot Dub, dub yeah. Hot, uh, that was an interesting... Uh, there were some good people on that team, actually. Shout out to Nathan Carter. Yeah. Uh, there was some good. There was some good people. That was a very Probably. interesting day. Um, yep, the great man himself. I think he's working a hanging garden now. Yeah, yeah, I heard um, But yeah, it was that was a fucking shit place. So, you know, being down that end paddock and because it was full mud, and then when they had that incident, that kicked off in the smoking area. Fucking took you ages to get there because it was either you run and slip over in the mud, or you take your time and you risk that you know someone's getting fucking teed up. Mm. But not enough guards, too many fucking people. Like, when that incident kicked off, there was fucking people everywhere. And there was, a, you know, how many do we have? Ten? Ten people? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. And, um, you know, some of them weren't the best. Never is. At those gigs, it's normally 50-50. You get 50% mm. guards who are experienced and 50% yeah. pot plants. You know, someone you go and plant in a corner and let you meet your legal requirement to have a minimum amount of guards. But yeah. realistically, they're just absorbing sunlight and... Well, I remember that that fellow that we restrained early. Uh, I kept seeing him everywhere after that. Everywhere I went, I went to Coles. He was like in front of me at the line. I was saying, "Fuck, where?" Recognise him? Nah. I thought, "Where the fuck do I know this guy from?" And then I was having a couple of drinks at Hanging Garden one time, and he was getting turfed. <laughs> ah, now it's coming. And back. I was thinking, "Fucking know that bloke from somewhere." But he walked out that time. He didn't fucking have a go. He might have learned his lesson. Maybe, maybe he may have learned. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just remember being out of breath after that one. For, yeah, the, for, yeah. those, <laughs> for those listening, we had to restrain an individual. And how how far you reckon we had to walk? 
150 metres, 200. through fucking mud. Yeah, like it was a fucking hard slog. And then you had that little guard at the front of me. I don't even know what he was doing. He was just holding the guy by the T-shirt. I thought, I thought he was pushing back to make it more difficult for us. <laughs> and I was thinking, mate, you're just in the way like I'm literally about to strip over your feet. Like, could you just... Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> Good times. But um, we actually haven't even talked about how we met uh, Hodgie. I would be hard pressed to remember how I met you. To be honest, I think it was organically through working at, at pubs and clubs, was mm. it? or was it? Did I meet you after your brother? I'm trying to think. I had seen you around before because obviously uh, you're a staple in Hobart nightlife, mate. And uh, I'd been to some of your venues before, but I didn't really talk to you or work with you until Ryan um, started working for that company yeah. because I was working at Lower House at the time and he was saying that um, Smug Group was um, <laughs> was hiring people and I thought oh okay, yeah cool 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 and that's when you know sort of reached out because at the time Lower House was a cool venue and I like working there you know good people but um, they were only paying they always had a low number of guards there though, didn't yeah. They? yeah but you didn't really need that many uh, they were paying on the lower end of the scale and it was like, I'd, I'd done two years there, I had a really good time, you know. I've even still done a few shifts for Lyle House last year. You know, I like Paul, Paulie, the owner, and uh, it's a good venue. And never any trouble, you know, it's just a it's just a goof. You know, you talk shit with Paulie and all the other guards. But, um, you know, I was there to make money, and that's what I wanted to do. So Ryan, was, uh, Ryan had been in the industry for less than 12 months. He was making more money than me. Yeah. You know, his hourly rate was higher, and I was like, fuck this. So, um, yeah, that's when I reached out. And, yeah. And, well, I fucking earned my money, mate, when I went to the fucking... <laughs> when I, went, I went from... Oh, not fuck space. <laughs> I went from one end of the scale, which was basically nothing happens. You know, you refuse a couple of people to mouth off, call you a fucking yeah. dumb cunt or whatever, to literally, like, every 15 minutes on the fucking clock, someone had to be turfed. Yeah, one coming out. Yeah. One coming out. One coming... Hold the door. Hold and the, the interesting door. thing about the telly is you say, oh, mate, look, I think you've had too much to drink. You're like, you're going to have to try and... You're going to have to leave. And next minute, they fucking want to fire you. Yeah. And I'm just like, what is with this fucking place? You know? I remember one fella went to the bar and I said, mate, um, you know, you've had too much to drink. It's time to leave. And he's like, yeah, no worries. That's all good. Starts walk. Got to the door. Then I got to the door. He turned around, shoved me, and I was like, what the fuck, mate? So I shoved him back, and he obviously, he fucking hit the floor. And I was like, what are you doing on the ground, mate? Right? And he gets back up, and I gave him a little twist of the arm, and get him, like, that fucking door was so skinny, trying to get fucking people out. Get him through, and because obviously one arm's free, he grabbed one of the telly fucking barriers. Anyway, so I'm walking him, and he's just dragging it with him. And I'm like, if this was a logical man, what does he think he's going to do with that? disengaged the fucking bollard from him and just give him the old heave ho and he's fucking hit the pavement and like skidded on his hands, right? And this is this is the best bit. He's turned around like a child sitting on his ass with his like legs out in a V and he's looked at his hands and now they're scuffed and he started crying and he oh, said, no. that was too rough. <laughs> <coughs> and I was like, mate, you fucking touched me. Like you put... I. I was just walking you out and you fucking pushed me. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, this telly place is just a fucking different breed uh, of animal. But, um, yeah. yeah. You certainly earn your money there. And uh, that's the thing. We'd always have, you know, uh, pressures and 
be told, oh, it's, you know, there's too many incidents or it's too violent or whatever. And it's, when you're having to kick people out every 15 or 20 minutes, mm. statistically, you are significantly more likely to have something go wrong. Yeah. You know, it... If you throw darts at a dartboard enough times, you know, even if you've never played darts, eventually it's going to fucking hit. Yeah. And if you're really, really lucky, you know, and you practice enough, <laughs> you, you're going to get a bullseye eventually. And that's yeah. you know, when you get that perfect storm of events, you, you know, someone's going to get injured, whether it's a guard or a patron or, or whatever, you know, like someone gets yeah. glass, there's things outside your control. But yeah, no, it was good to have you. <laughs> it was good to have you come down and uh, enjoy the team, man. We certainly needed uh, good guards at the time. Um, we were struggling to get and retain good guards a lot of people had left the industry a lot of really good guards got kicked out of the industry through bullshit yep. um, with police and and what's not um, which I'm very opinionated about of course um, you know, and I honestly believe that's where a lot of the good guards go you know they, they push it out in the media and say that um, all the bouncers are thugs and you know they're getting rid of these people and there are shit guards there are thugs and bullies who take things too far but unless you've seen as you said everything that happened the night before and on that night and leading up there's so much you have to take into consideration whether their mates just you know one of the other guards has just been glass or something's happened you don't know what's going on everyone has their situation yeah it's hard dealing with that shit every night having people spit on you threaten you you know people brought knives weapons whatever Mm. you know more than once people had knives yeah, exactly. But you know what is one shit thing also is a patron assaults you, you go through the right channels, right? And it fucking always takes ages to go through the court. You know, like yes. I had a couple and that took like 12 months to two years for them to go to the court and then they got the old, they were guilty but suspended sentence, right? I had so, to jail. Okay. So, you know, and then same with Ryan. Ryan got a king hit twice. Mm. Same thing. Sent them both through court. They were like pleaded guilty. Oh, you know, I was on drugs. I was on fucking whatever. Basically got fuck all, right? God does it. I fucking hammer someone, right? Let's just say I fucking just went, oh, fuck this. I'm going to king hit this cunt. Do you think that I am a free man or that I'm going to the big house? No, you're done, mate. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to the fucking big house. Well, you give someone a kick, you know, even a a kick, you know, that's enough to lose your license. And it's like, well... That's also why people don't want to do it because you've got these stupid fucking rules where you the, the more time goes on, the more years go by, you're taking things away from security and giving more to the general public and it's like, but then the general public does something to you and they basically get nothing. Well, and you're, also, you're expected to paint within the lines. You're expected yeah. to be this artist that can follow and paint within the lines. And the fucking patrons are coming up with a sponge and just going... (laughs) And the training you're receiving is not adequate, right? Like, so what we touched on before, when I did my course, they didn't teach you how to restrain people. They didn't teach you any fucking de-escalation framework. There was none of it. In fact, I didn't, I mean, I didn't talk about how I got into the industry, but basically when I was a fucking bum uh, and I was on Centrelink when I was about 19, living large, you know, on Mm. me uh, 260 bucks a fortnight. And I must have been on selling for six months and then they do this thing where they say, all right, you have to do a course. And I'm like, well, what do you got? And they said, you can either do a security course or you can do a forklift license. And at the time I thought, which one's going to take longer? Security course, right? You think it's a fucking course, it's going to go for a while. Yeah. 
And they said, be here for this date. They didn't tell you how long it was going to go for. So I show up and the bloke's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go till Friday. Comes to Tuesday, you're all done. You're like, all we'd done is we had a big folder and like he would talk and you'd sort of, he'd go, oh, if you want to know this, it's on page 59 and you'd sort of flick through and yeah. you're just like, nothing's sinking in, right? Yeah. And then it's kind of like... And then they get paid thousands of dollars by the government for... Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then next minute you're you're on the, on the where well, you're in the trenches really and I remember back then, you know, a lot of security jobs were advertised in the newspaper, you know, on a Saturday. Yeah, day, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Security guard. Because actually the first... Well, I say it's my first job, but the fucking cunts never paid me. There was a job in the paper and it said security guard and it was fucking retail. It was working for some bullshit company at Target, right? Yeah. And they said, oh, come in for a trial. And the trial was four hours at Target Glenorchy. And they just said, oh, go and check that pram. Go and check this. Look, don't explain to you what you can and can't fucking yeah, do. Yeah. Just, oh, go and do this, go and do that. Fuck, mate, I got told to fuck off so many times. A fucking 15-year-old told me he was going to knock me out and fucking this and that. I'm just thinking, what the fuck? Because I was 19, but I probably looked like I was about 13 at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, like I mentioned, a fucking surfer's hairdo. So, like, I didn't look like what you thought security was supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas I did. I looked like a dirty man. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little goatee and looked like an angry little yeah. man who wanted to be security. Yeah, but uh, as I mentioned, they never paid me and they never actually asked me back after that. Fucking dog. I think they just used me for a, a shift. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as I mentioned, I went to Isobar. But I was only there for a little bit. Then I went to Coverall. And then I left Coverall. And then I went to Dyson. And then I went back. I ended up going back to Isobar because Aaron had taken it over and it mm. became Fat Boy Security. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they lost, they lost it. And Nick McKenzie took over. And I stayed with McKenzie for a bit. And then I, I stopped doing crowd control for a number of years, actually. It wasn't until probably I was in Queensland, I started working there again. Which, if you're going to work security in Queensland, don't, because they don't pay you fuck all. You well, made security in Queensland for a little while, and they were all right. I worked at the casino, though, so it was the perks that really made up for it. The pay wasn't great. I think it was about 20 bucks an hour yep. Um, yep. back then, but that was for part-time, I think. Yeah, okay. Um, I was doing 10-hour shifts at yep. the casino, and we also had the ability to work. They had a club at the casino, so yeah, we could okay. do crowd control work yeah, okay. on the weekends to earn extra money. Yep. But that was a good gig. Like, If it comes to retirement time or whatever, and I'm looking for something to do, or I've fucked my IT career up and I'm in trouble, Like, if you had to have a retirement gig for security, it would be the casino. Like... Assuming the casino down here is similar, like the casino gig I, I worked. So. Yeah, well, I worked at the Reef Hotel in, in Cairns, and that was a great place to work. Their training was phenomenal. Yep. Um, they invested time in, in training. Like you got free feed every shift. Yep. You had two half an hour breaks, two 10 or 15 minute breaks. Yep. For a 10, 10 hour shift. Yep. Like you got two meal breaks. Yeah. And food provided. Mm. Um, and you know, instead of just being oh you're going around and patrolling this building, this building, or whatever, like, like your shitty patrol job where you might have to drive around and put a car there, or a crowd control job where you might be stuck in one position for six hours or seven hours or ten mm. hours. Um, at the casino, you do, you know, maybe two hours on the front door of the casino, and then maybe you do an hour of 
um, escorting cash. Yep. And then you do an hour over in the hotel, escort, you yep. know, walking around the hotel doing a patrol. Yeah, okay. Um, then you do an external hour in a car park. You know, it, it was, every hour was a bit different. So um, it was a good job. And because you had all those breaks, it was never more than like an hour and a half of actual work before you were off on a break. Yep. And it was, yeah, it was, because there were so many cameras and everything, like you were, the communication was really good. It was almost military level when that they would tell you exactly where to go, who's going to be there, what backup you had coming, what colour shirt a person had had on, who they were in an altercation with, which exit you were going to, you know, it was schmick. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Uh, nice. No, I did a stint at the casino, respite. Down here. Was not like, it sounded very similar to the fact, like, yeah, they were pretty good with their breaks. Uh, you were supposed to get food, but... There was really no chef there of a night, so if you you made yourself some fucking toast, but if you did the day shift, it was when they had the good feeds. Um, but I thought I it think was, it was the same way. Yeah. Night shift, yeah. At the first feed, there was food available from dinner, leftovers that they brought back out. Yeah, but, okay. Um, I didn't really enjoy it that much because you stand on a post for two hours, but our casino is not that busy, so like you're bored as fuck. And they've got a lot of rules where you're not allowed to lean, not allowed to lean on anything. Not allowed, lean, you not allowed to, to talk to. Student. You're not supposed to talk to the other guards, like congregate, yeah, um, all that kind of shit. You know, I mean, back then, fuck, I think I had a flip phone, so I was like, oh, you can't use your phone, but I fucking wouldn't have anyway. I wanted to play Snake. Um, yeah. It was just, and I just remember doing ten hours. I'm gonna sound like a pussy. Doing ten hours shifts and just going, fuck, me feet are fucking sore. Fucking feet and knees are fucking sore as fuck. Yeah. You know. Um, no, I feel that. That was the other thing, getting old, you know, standing on the doors in the car. Yep. That, yeah, my legs hurt now. Yeah. There's a fella actually, I uh, know he did 13 years there, so I might get him on because he'd have a fucking couple of stories. Yeah. But that's what I thought. And at the time, they would have, like, relief supervisors. Mm. And so just say one shift, you're a normal guard. And you know, you we fuck around a bit. You know, we laying on the wall. You're fucking, we're just chatting when we're not supposed to. Next shift, you come in, you're the supervisor, you tell me off for doing that. I go, fucking come, we just did it last night. Like, yeah, yeah. you fucking telling me? Like, it was just a weird sort of cultural sort of thing. And unless it was Saturday, the gaming area would close at midnight. Yeah. And if you're there till 7 a.m., you're just literally, they want you to stand in the reception area doing fuck all. Don't want you to talk to reception. Don't want you to fucking read the newspaper. You just have to stand there like a fucking... What are those English fucking cunts with the big hats? Yeah. See, that's, what, that's what they expected of you. And it was just like, mate, this Prince is... Guy. You might be asking a bit too much here. Um, Training-wise, like that online training, they put you through like responsible gaming and mm. uh, responsible service of alcohol. But when it came to restraints, they did fuck all and they actually didn't want you to touch anyone unless it was, you know, someone's going to fucking die. Oh, really? Yeah, there yeah. was. I remember Mean McKenzie had to tell some gentlemen to leave, and we stood there for fucking 40 minutes. Like, while they just abused the fuck out of McKenzie because it was like the physical contact probably wasn't warranted, you know, and he didn't want to have to answer to the manager of why we grabbed these people when we could have just got abused for 40 minutes and then they get bored and leave. Yeah. It was pretty funny, actually, because they were saying, I want to see the manager, and it was like fucking 5 a.m. He goes, I'm telling you, I'm the closest thing to a manager at this time of the morning. No, no, no. We want to see someone higher. He goes, I'm the highest there is right now. And then they just, obviously, because he was a big boy and he's got red hair, he was open to uh, (laughs) (laughs) all kinds of abuse. Actually, a funny story, when I mentioned Aaron uh, Ayres had his own company, Fatboy Security, 
Well, I remember Nick McKenzie working the door, and we had to wear these green fluoro fucking green polos. Yeah. And um, I remember coming over to help McKenzie one night. He was on the door, and this fucking chick was just giving it to him. And she goes, I want to know what the fucking company you work for. And he goes, Fatboy Security. And she goes, what? And he goes, Fatboy Security. And she goes, speak up. And he goes, I work for Fatboy Security. And she goes, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's hard. And I thought, fucking hell, Aaron, you just opened us up for that. But yeah. that was, um, they had fucking merch. Like, so they gave us a drink bottle, yeah, this yeah. green drink bottle. They gave us, we had polo tops, even though mine didn't fucking fit. They gave me a medium. I'm like, mate, what? The- <laughs> 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 I'm like, bro, what's going on here? Um, and they gave me a like they gave you a beanie, like those fucking insulated ones mm. in the inside, you know, like if you're going to get lost in, in the shirts, Himalayas, yeah. that's what you want. But they didn't, I think they only had the contract for like 12 months because, you know, word on the street was the job venues, you know, where the contracts were fucking bullshit and he was a cunt, you know, like, because yeah. I remember when well, Nick... went through a lot of hands very quickly. Mm. Well, Nick, I remember Nick took it over. He was telling me like four months went by, they hadn't even paid him. Right, so like literally, his him and his missus were working, and like paying us out of their savings and shit, and I was just like, fuck that. And there might have been a stint where there was no public liability insurance because they couldn't afford it. Oh, and he was literally going around to all the sites saying, "Don't fuck anyone up," because, well, everyone's fucked. Yeah, and it was like, okay, we'll do our best. Yeah, I, mean, I, I thought of opening a security company a couple of times, but you, mm. I couldn't do it without treading on friends' toes. Yep. You know what I mean? It's such a small market down here. And I mean, yeah, there are a couple of operators who are doing a shit job and I'd love to go in and steal their business, but at the yep. same time, I wouldn't actually want to work on the ground anymore and you'd have to trust someone to run your business. For yeah, and how much money are you going to make from it is the real thing because, you know, there's a gentleman who I've known for many years who has a company and... I'm pretty sure for like 10 years, they've just been barely keeping their head above water and it wasn't until literally all the other companies have disappeared that they're like the only ones left and people are like, all right, we'll give you the contract and now, you know, he's like fucking a baller or yeah. whatever. You know, it doesn't have to... Because you always think it's weird. Someone owns their own security company, but they're working for a security company during the day to make money. You know, you're just like, well, how much money are you making? But then... You know, they end up leaving because basically everyone's gone now. There's like two companies that are fucking yeah, doing the crowd goes. control. And you'd There's have still to still house going on, but and you'd have to get into uh, like other things like patrolling and shit and they're like you don't want to fucking do stuff like that because patrolling contracts are like I feel like the clients are a bit they're asking for too much sometimes, you know, like and it's, it's just shit boring. Like, you can't do anything anyway. Yeah. Again, you're not a cop. You don't have... Like, you can't do anything unless yep. you've seen them steal something. Yeah. Anyway. And even then, you know, people don't understand... A lot of guards don't even understand. You've only got the powers of a, a, a citizen, basically, yeah. to perform an arrest or whatever, mm. which anyone on the street can do anyway. Yeah. Yeah, anyone can arrest fucking anyone for committing yeah. a crime. So. Um, yeah, I, remember when I, I would never recommend patrol work to anyone. Yeah. It's fucking boring. I did it for a bit, uh, five months. And how I used to get through the shifts was I used to go to a certain yacht club. I won't say which one. And I used to do burnouts in the car park. <laughs> in the company car. Like, it was gravel, you know. It was gravel. But um, what 
I found amazing about <laughs> patrol drivers is they're so creative. Like, um, you go to a site that you're supposed to walk around yeah. and they'll just drive it. Even though it's like grass or whatever, they just fuck up in the car, just cruising through, fucking throw a tag here, throw a tag there. And you're just like, you got to be the laziest fucking cunts I've ever met. But stupid, um, stupid job because if you respond to an alarm and it's breaking, you've got to go and check it out. Like, if there's people in there, you're just by yourself. You haven't got a fucking gun or anything. You're just fucked. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's another problem with the security industry and the restrictions on what you can have. Like when I first started at the hospital, you were allowed to have a baton. Yep. Um, and all the guards carried batons. Yep. And nowadays it's like no, 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 you can't, can't do that. But I mean, you have people with syringes and yep. fucking like some of the most horrific incidents I ever saw was in the ED waiting room. Mm. You know, like people coming in there. Um, you know, someone been in there bashed or whatever, waiting in the waiting room to receive treatment, and then a fucking undesirable Tasmanian family rocks up because they yep. hear that they're there, and the whole clan comes through, and women in their dressing gown, and people with face tattoos running through with fucking weapons, picking up chairs, fucking trying to hit each other in the middle of a waiting room. Mm. You know, and you're trying to usher the the actual patient, the sick fucking people, into the um, through the waiting room into the actual yep. hospital, and you know. Having a bat was was kind of you know a little bit of reassurance with people throwing yeah. chairs at your head and you know you're outnumbered ten to one so yeah but people are, people don't want security having batons or handcuffs or having that kind of ability but you know one thing I noticed over the last couple of years working security was the the frequency of weapons coming out frequency of glasses being used as weapons and knives you know knives are actually becoming an issue for the first time really in Tasmania like there's always been a shooting at a club every four or five years and yeah. there'd be a drive-by or whatever. That's just you know, that's just part of Tassie culture. Um, but knives were never really an issue and it's, yeah. it's starting to pop up fairly frequently yeah. now. It's, you, you don't want to play with knives, it doesn't matter how good you are in martial art or whatever, sooner or later you're going to get stuck. Yeah, exactly. Hospital environment, I'll probably have to say, is the worst I've ever worked as a guard. Like, if you want to see some shit, that's the, uh, that's the place to be. And, um, so many environmental risks there as well, yeah. as it, and I don't mean as in the fucking trees. I mean, <laughs> you know, patients with HIV and yeah. things which yeah. nurses won't tell you about. Yeah. You, know, you get a prisoner in there or something. Mm. There, nurses are aware that a patient has HIV, and they can see it on their fucking screen. Yeah, and then the, they they can't tell you, or they tell yeah. you that they can't tell. I remember working there a couple of times, a nurse would go, "I just, you know, just so you know, I've got this." It's like, well, how come you get to fucking know? You're not the one who's going to hold him down when yeah. he starts, you know, cutting his wrist. Yeah. If he cuts his wrist and he's on a, an order mm. and I'm meant to be stopping him from hurting himself, I'm going to rush in there and try and fucking help him out. Yeah. And you, who's going to sit out here and put your fucking gloves on and your mask and everything, you know what's going on and what yeah. kind of risks he, uh, I'm facing and you don't tell me? Fuck that. Fuck their privacy. Protect me, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a, a bit of bullshit. Uh, but also the culture of that ho- the hospital is pretty bad too. Your security, you're on the the bottom of the rung and people treat you as such, which is strange because you're a piece of shit until they want your help and then you're the fucking best thing and then yeah, yeah. 30 seconds after the incident's over, you're a fucking piece of shit again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of the medical staff look down their nose again because security is not a degree qualified um, industry. You know, mm. like there's not a lot of... I'll, I'll go to diploma, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything to these people um, yeah. they've got their degree and then 
as a GP or a, as a nurse or, or whatever, and they don't think security is actually a, a worthwhile career. And they don't respect that, despite it being a lowly career, that's what your area of training is in mm. and what your area of expertise is. So yes, they might be able to fucking save someone's life and pull a bullet out of their asshole or whatever, but... <laughs> but you're there to protect them, you know. Exactly. To listen exactly. When you're, you know, yeah. You're and uh, respect goes a long way to uh, any of the hospital staff listening. Uh, respect, yeah. respect the security. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I, I literally had it happen one day. I had a senior nursing staff. I don't know what the title uh, was called at the time. Um, I was given the direction that a, a patient had been put on a mental health watch or order or whatever you want to call it. And yep. um, I went in there and I was told they must be at arm's length, like arm's length watch, you're not to leave the room. Um, they hadn't been moved to an isolation room yet. They were in the emergency department in a, a medical area. And as such, we didn't have the, the padded room or the lockable door or anything. So they were on an arm's length watch until we could move them to a yep. um, securable area. And this nurse basically told me to get the fuck out and I'm like I can't they're on an arm's length watch I need to stay here and she's like well I'm taking responsibility for it you know they need their privacy and this and that and I'm like okay you sign this fucking book and you acknowledge that you're telling me to get the fuck out and I'll stand outside the door but this is a bad idea sign up Within about five seconds of me walking out that door, the dude had punched this fucking nurse in the face. <laughs> and it's like, I felt bad for him, but at the same time, I called it out. I said that was going to happen. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. respect that I've been in this industry. I've seen yeah. what's happened. We have these policies in place. We're here to protect you. But, you know. Yep. Oh, definitely. You know, I see it all the time, which is unfortunate. We've hit the two-hour mark. Holy shit. I'll ask you one more question and then what we'll have to do is we'll just have to reconvene at a later date. Uh, you know, maybe if I'm lucky and I can get a couple episodes out and maybe fucking more than one person listens. Uh, we'll bring Hodgie back for a, for a second dose. <laughs> um, if you had to give any advice to a girl or a girl or a guy looking to get into the industry, what would it be? Into security? Yep. Um... Same thing I've said the other times. Get some, get some experience in, in grappling and be comfortable in in who you are and your physical capabilities. Um, and I guess you touched on it before, negotiating public speaking. You know, Get some experience in public speaking and talking to people in public and, and being assertive. Mm. Being able to be assertive and tell someone what they're going to fucking do and make them listen. Like, sit down. You know, like... <laughs> be, being confident in yourself to the point where you can be assertive with someone and get them to do what you want. Yep. Um, confident in your physical abilities. You don't have to be Jackie Chan or a black belt in a martial art, but just be confident yep. in what you can do. Um, be fucking reliable. You know, Go out, meet some people in the industry like Eric. Talk to them, ask how they're how they <laughs> My boss would be, run away. No, no, no. Look, if someone legitimately wants to know, that's fine. But like, when someone's fucking twelve bogus drafts deep, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, hey man, like, how do you get into security?" and I just look at them and just go, "Can't like, you're not interested." Like, yeah. I will sit here and tell you, "Well, you got to find an RTO that's going to do certificate two, and then after that, you got to lodge your paperwork for your security lot." Like, it's fucking right. It's just, but you know, someone that genuinely wanted to get into it, I'd probably say, I'd probably ask them why. Yeah, and that's a good point. That's a really good point. Why do you want to do it? You know, if you want to get into Biff, it's not 
don't do it because you're just going to get fucking arrested. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, exactly. It's, it's, exactly. That's what's going to happen now. Yeah. yeah. I'd probably suggest they get some some training, you know, whether it's join the fucking reserves or something, get a taste for it, get some actual skills, and then it, that'd give someone the confidence. Yep. I often recommend that to people join the reserves. Yep. Get some confidence in yourself, get your fitness, um, some experience in, in conflict situations and dealing and working under pressure. Mm hmm. Um, and you can get that through, through being in the military or something similar, you know, or joining a martial arts club or whatever, and being used to being under that kind of pressure. That's that's what makes people crack in security. It's not knowing how to deal with pressure, and either overreacting or turning the water and pissing your pants, you know, and then you're, you're <laughs> down. So it's, ah, the fight or flight response is a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, people go one way or the other, you know. Mm. I mean, they either fucking wig out and knock some seventy year old granny out. <laughs> 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 Or they, uh, or they shit themselves and go and hide in the corner and then they're yeah. to anyone. So. And look, if you're the person that shits yourself, it's not a nice feeling. Like, um, you've been doing security for a long time. Like, even still to this day, if I've got to go into an altercation, I've still got that feeling in your stomach. You know, like, you want to, do I want to spew? Do I want to shit? Which one is it? Yeah, you know, I'm not really nice, sure. Yeah. But, like, as you go on, as time goes on, you sort of learn how to fucking deal with it. Um, but it never goes away. And even still, you walk in, you see some big cunt, you just go, fuck. The worst is when you think something's really, I know we're wrapping up, but when you think something really bad is about to happen, yep. and your body spikes with that adrenal yeah. response, and then and all of a sudden it's like, nothing's happening, yeah. I'm safe now. And then the dump, when your body yeah. doesn't use it, yeah. like, I've had it happen, there was an incident with someone, and I'll be quick. There was an incident with someone where they were having a fight in the club, and they told me they were going to come and get me after work. And after work, I saw this person, the person who said they were going to fucking kill me after work. I looked over, because I hear this. There they are running at me at 100 mile an hour, and I'm going, oh, fuck, here we go. Yep, yep. You know, <laughs> And they come up to me, going, oh, can you help these fucking three guys are chasing me? I'm like, fuck off, <laughs> You're like, he's over here! <laughs> and I just hopped in my car and I went to start the car and my body just went, oh. <laughs> and I felt like I had a vibrator up. <laughs> Something yeah. made like, I, yeah. I was shaking that hard. I yeah. could not operate my car. Because yep. I was 100% ready to get into the fight with this guy. I thought he was coming to kill me. And there was nothing. And I had all this adrenaline and this energy and it just turned into nothing. Yeah. And that, that is such a weird feeling. It's happened a couple of times. It's, you know... Nothing happens and your leg starts to shake. Oh, you fucking scared your leg shaking. It's like, no, nah, dude, that's my body has just ended fight yeah. or flight and I'm still fucking standing here. Yep. Like, I chose fight. Dude. You're about <laughs> to find out. But, yeah, but it's, yeah, like you said, it's a str very strange feeling because you can't get rid of it. You just got to ride the wave, you know? Like, when you yeah. smoke too much weed, you just got to fucking... There's nothing you can do. You've just got to go through. Um, yeah. You gotta be really conscious yeah. of how you deal with any situation in the yeah. hour following it because you, you know, yeah. you're, you're on edge. Um, but um, if you think about all the people that come through the security industry, one, a lot of people when they get that feeling, they're done. That's it. Which is, you know, a good thing. You recognise that you don't like it. Oh yeah, look, I've worked with some hard fellows who could go a lot better than I can, and you know, one big incident, one scary thing, or so they watched someone get hurt. You know, didn't even get hurt themselves, and boom, they're out like. That yep. was their last shift. Yep. And I've seen that happen again and again and again over mm. the years. Like people come in and, you know, as long as they're winning and things are going well, it's okay. 
Right? Yeah. As soon as something goes bad or someone they know gets hurt, they're out. And so respect to them, but yeah. you know, I guess I'm used to getting my ass kicked. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I had a big brother who used to throw me. Yeah. Around, so, yeah, don't get into the industry unless you're accept. You know, you can accept the fact that someone's going to give you a licking eventually. Yeah, it's and look, uh, it can be a good job, and you meet some good people. But there's also a lot of shit. Like you know, you don't want to get into the dude fucking retail loss prevention or anything like that. And, no. So, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a strange one. A lot of people you meet just do it as a side gig, as a, as a bouncer. On Definitely, uh, that would be a recommendation for me yeah. not to look at security as a career because yep. there's only so far you can go and I've, I've earned good money doing security, mm. but I sort of wish I had a f- steered away from it much earlier and focused more on, you know, my IT side of things. Yep. It would have been you, a much crazier lifestyle. It, the, how I felt, right, the longer that I stayed in the security, the harder it was to get out because for some reason, places look at your security experience and they don't see relevancy to anything. They're like, oh, you did security. And Unless, you know, once you start getting managerial roles or supervisory mm. roles and things, it does hold some weight or benefit. But you're right, like there's not a lot of transferable skill sets and people look at you as a thug, mm. um, which oh, doesn't help. I remember going for an interview at a call centre in Tassie and they were saying oh you don't have any customer service experience I said yeah I've been doing bitch please <laughs> I've been doing security <laughs> like you know I've been working at these clubs and they're like yeah but it doesn't transfer I'm like hey, what do you mean de-escalation skills conflict negotiation skills you know I'm being friendly to people I'm treating them with fucking respect you know like isn't that what you're fucking doing yeah yeah but we've got to deal with people on the phone easy yeah Fucking easy. No risk of... You're telling me the person's not going to try and hit me? Yeah, not going to spit in my face. It's like, and they're just like, no, nah, but we just don't think those skills are transferable. And you're just like, okay, fuck you then. And then you see all the people that work at the call centre and they're all fucking burnt out and stressed and you're just like... Yeah, or they're getting their, their couch, which is this wide because they've now hit 300. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there and we'll definitely have to get you back. I guess that's the problem when you got fucking <laughs> all that experience, mate. you got heaps of stories, but thank you very much for joining us for the first episode. And uh, yeah, Cheers, it's, mate. It's, it's, it's been a blast.